0: There will be no real, non-controlled currency in the world. It's it's baby. It's baby. It's baby. We're coming for you, banks.
1: Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split,
2: we bankrupt you. So do you use, like, wallets to pay for things or not? No, Bitcoin cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin,
3: Miles.
0: Town, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 52, CoinFlex capitulation and cash tokens featuring Max Hastings. Today is Saturday, the 2nd of July, 2022. I'm your host Jeremy. Jet is producing the show as always, and of course, we are trying to money grub with the new Twitch ads and and subs features we've got here. So, uh, actually, seems like a pretty good crowd tonight. The a lot of people tuning. Maybe there's a good time zone. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, the, straight into the show. One of the biggest weeks in uh, Bitcoin Cash history. Guest Max, you've been on the show before. You were on episode number eleven. One of the earliest uh, episodes, obviously. And, you know, so long-time listener to the show, long-time community member. For people who didn't check in with you on that episode, which had absolutely awful audio for anybody who tries to (laughs) listen to it. um, How do you get into Bitcoin? And what what are you doing in the Bitcoin Cash community?
4: Yeah, thanks for the intro. Uh, Happy to be back. Um, I guess a quick rundown is I've always kind of followed... Bitcoin and cryptocurrency since I think I found on a gaming form back in 2011. Uh, I had just bought a new gaming computer. Someone said I can mine this coin and make money. So I started to try to, I mined Bitcoin for, I think, six hours with my graphics card. Um, It made like, I don't know, 25 cents or 50 cents. I said, this is dumb. Uninstalled everything. Didn't know what Bitcoin was for like the next, I don't know, two, three years. And then I think in I have to recall, maybe it was early 2017 or sometime in 2016, I saw Ethereum and uh, that it was new and this was crypto still and smart contracts and looked really exciting. I I think it was uh, like first year of college or something. And uh, so I kind of like followed Ethereum a bit. I didn't invest anything, even though Ethereum was trading at like $10 a coin. Um, And then, but I liked the idea of the smart contracts. Um, and then the, I kind of got part of crypto a lot more during the 2017 run-up, uh, the ICO boom and everything. And, uh, since then I've been way more active since that, uh, the 2017, uh, ICO boom. And then, uh, Bitcoin cash, I found out, um, I didn't try to find it. I was trying to find a Bitcoin, a meetup in Chicago, and there was no meetups like crypto related or even Bitcoin related. The only thing there was, was, uh, there was a Bitcoin Cash meetup in Chicago and it was hosted by uh uh I forgot his last name, but the Kurt guy from uh, I think he switched to Bitcoin SV. He's pretty uh oh, Walker yeah, Kurt Walker or whatever. I don't know the last name, but uh he was a really cool guy and uh you know it was a good meetup. And this was before the split. This was like late 2018, and uh he showed me Bitcoin Cash, and I was like, Oh, this is like it was instant transactions you know low fees and everything i was like this is really cool and then from there i've been always following the bitcoin cash project since then
0: yeah nice and would you say that then that is like your main focus are you also like as deeply involved in the community with ethereum or with any other uh, coins i never really got too
4: involved with ethereum i mean i feel like it became harder to get involved with ethereum when you know fees went up higher like I think to deploy an Ethereum smart contract on, you know, on the layer, you know, on their mainnet net uh, during the peak was like $1,000. Uh, it was just ridiculous. So it's just kind of a, the entry to Ethereum was just too high. So in terms of like trying to build things, it wasn't doable. Uh, but I do kind of keep track of like what's going on with like the, you know, DeFi in general. Like I thought the Binance smart chain was a cool idea because they made, um, you know, Ethereum related defi stuff more accessible even though it was more centralized and everything but hey it allowed you know people to experiment on uh, with like you know not spending a whole lot of money um and then also bitcoin cash kind of got involved with smart bch i guess we're going to talk about today where they are uh, they also we also have a uh our own evm smart chain um as well so
0: yeah very cool so definitely yeah one of the most uh rocky weeks in bitcoin cash history that we've got to uh cover but for the listeners i'm definitely going to try and do my best to just walk through it step by step so for people who are way down the rabbit hole uh things might just you know uh move along slowly but for the benefit of the listeners that have not been following this saga in in great drama and detail we'll try and give you every kind of angle of it as it is. And one other quick note that I wanted to point out is that the conference, which was going to be in St. Martin at the end of the year that I said at the end of last show, uh, peerxpeer.com, you know, go check out the website. Uh, It seems like there's been some logistical issues or some changes of plans there. So the the website is down and we'll have to follow up with the... with with that on you later uh jd calling out max for not looking like his telegram avatar so yeah get your act together
4: <laughs> hey actually actually there is a spongebob related meme in my room so i mean
0: it's kind of similar right spongebob an all-time an all-time classic of the the meme game all right first first things first the price this week, collapsing bear market... Oh, I forgot to update the title again. Anyway, the, we're, we're, the price is down, basically. It's $105.81 per Bitcoin cash. One BDC buys 183.8 BCH. And given all of the drama and all the problems and all the issues, I mean, the fact is, basically, it feels like it should be worse. Like, uh, we're only down $10 from the last episode last week before with really this coin flex stuff just uh just starting so i i think we we have been under a hundred dollars this week uh jet did <laughs> did win the bet so are, are we doing another bet or what's going on with that
4: <laughs>
0: i think we both are around uh, three <laughs> i
1: think we both agree this is the bottom
0: <laughs> yeah. okay we get this is your take now it's the bottom
1: yeah i think at least for the next month like I was saying this in, a, in I think, the price chat. Like, I really can't see us going below $75 unless Tether also collapses. Um, and if it does, then, you know, no man's land, $50 or lower, like the all-time low. But even if that's the case, like, I'll be uh, accumulating the highest percentages that I ever have. So I'm here for it either way. Either this is the bottom and uh, Max and I are doing pretty well at timing the market or it's not the bottom and we're both getting another opportunity to really uh, increase our uh, uh, positions.
0: Yeah, because I sort of feel like we're, we're, we're getting closer to a sort of capitulation. I did title this episode CoinFlex capitulation, but I don't want that to be indicative of the whole market i do think bch is going to hit a floor because we must be at this point so close to just the actual general genuine floor no speculators literally just the di- diamond hands and people who actually need to trade in bch there cannot be many people hoping for the moon uh willy-nilly left right so at this point i i think bch is eventually it's just got to hit rock bottom and then i'm still expecting bitcoin is it fall ethereum other coins are still going to keep watching out for a while i think but that that's just my impression so i've been continuously predicting that bch would be going lower and it has been uh and i i'm gonna stick with that but i do see some signs that we are getting more towards the 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 actual the actual bottom yeah maybe absent a tether collapse i don't know max what do you think
4: Oh, I do want to mention for listeners that are that didn't know about the bets between Jen and I, I guess. Uh, I forgot what the first one was. What was that? What was
1: that, $150 or something? I think it was 115 115
4: I think. Or whatever it was. Basically, as the price was dropping significantly, uh, Jen and I kept making bets. I said it can't go lower. He said it would. And he just kept winning. So uh, two in a row, though. And then uh, the third, now we're kind of at a stalemate. I guess we're so low that we both are like, it is definitely the bottom and no one wants to take the bet.
1: Well, we also saw like someone else posted in the price chat that there's like that $100 psychological limit. And then I saw in another group today, like a person came in and was like, hey, I just bought 8 BCH for the first time, right? So like there is that greedy investor kind of thing where people are like, holy shit, it's time.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I guess for people that are not following the scene as regularly and stuff, they I mean, they might not even know about all the coin flex drama and stuff or they might... There's a lot of people out there. That's one of the things about BCH. A lot of people know BCH. They know about it. they They were in the community and they've left or they have heard about it or they know it's controversial or whatever. And so it seems like given that we've got that existing rep there has to be a point at which other people just think wait a second this has been on my watch list for the last four years it looks ridiculously cheap this this can't be right i know this has a real community i know it's coming in all right (laughs) josh knows it's not the bottom well that's i i agree yeah maybe maybe it isn't quite the bottom uh okay next thing then is the transactions. so obviously we're looking for some kind of capitulation signals transactions have dropped off to about 30k. Maybe there's been a few less flex USD transactions happening recently, but like I said last week about the cent in USD um, uh, spiking up and maybe giving some indications of capitulation. Well, I think here the transactions uh, dropping off is also a bit of a sign. You need to have a like a death of transactions when you actually get to the bottom because then it just is only utility, there's no speculators. Uh, and everybody thinks it's over, dead chain, et cetera. Uh, so I I am again, I'm not gonna say that this is exactly it, but it's just another indicator that is starting to flash. Maybe we really are getting getting close to to a bottom or, or in the depths of the bear market. What do you what do you think about that, Max? Um yeah, it's kind of kind of sucks
4: that during like bear markets, lots of users kind of leave. Um that happened with Ethereum, it seems like. I mean, I had friends that were not involved in crypto. They jump in right when everything's excited and then they just disappear. You know, they're they're using Uniswap and and everything. And then all of a sudden, once you stop making money or or get burnt, they just leave. And so you kind of just see this kind of drop off in the whole space of transactions. Um kind of sucks that like I guess crypto is cyclical where like you know you know these bull markets where everyone wants to participate and then bear markets everyone kind of leaves but yeah i mean this could
0: you know transaction count is you know a metric to pay attention to for sure but i think it was the genius of satoshi to make it so that there was a halving cycle and supply shocks and that it created mania i do think that is genuinely by design because if uh, imagine if you just had the 21 million coins and it just went out in a flat line would would it have created the hype and excitement and drama and all that to get get masses of people in i kind of can't see it happening i mean maybe with the with a flat line if if demand was then just rocketing up then the price would just rocket up and then maybe it would uh um, smooth off more it wouldn't crash so hard i don't know Yeah, I don't know what his with what he maybe thought how adoption would occur, but uh it just kind
4: of I guess I'm just seeing the negative side, which is the bear markets, where it's people leave. Too bad they don't stay, and that would be that'd be preferable idea in an ideal world. You would
0: want them to just continue using it like nothing happened. Um but I I guess the ones who do stay are the ones who get rewarded, right? Is that's kind of the whole point, is that everybody who just comes in at the if they come in at in the halfway through the, the bull. Uh, pump, then you sort of miss out on a lot of the gains. And then you maybe get a boot wrecked on the other side. And if you leave during the bear market grind, you also don't get much value out of things because you're not paying attention. You only find out about again at the next pump, right? So it actually is kind of a way that crypto just continuously rewards people willing to push through the bear markets instead of Uh, instead of just who gets uh, hyped at the the right time, if you know what I'm saying. Well,
4: there's definitely a benefit of
0: bear markets and it
4: makes people kind of like rethink the whole situation. Like during the ICO boom, you don't really see the same, or at least the exact same mistakes being made during the next cycle. So like now the next cycle after this one, people are going to be more cautious about stable coins. They're going to ask more questions. They're not going to just like go in and be like, nothing can go wrong. Kind of like with ICOs now, people are cautious when they invest in a token. They don't just jump into any ICO, they you know do their due diligence. So that'll probably happen with the next cycle. People will be more cautious about NFTs, stable coins, yeah. and etc. So that's there's a benefit definitely to to bear markets
0: for sure. And also yields, I think we're seeing more and more of these block fi are now having problems, Voyager of closed withdrawals. Obviously, we're going to talk about uh CoinFlex the rest of this episode. It really is just a huge problem, I guess. <laughs> Bitcoin Jason asking, when stream? Is he is he trolling? What's going on? We're on live now. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, we, I think this, this cycle, yeah, it has been NFTs, uh, uh, yield from centralized institutions kind of screwing up, not your keys, uh, not your coins. And what was that other thing? That you uh the third stable, I, well, I was stable coins go. stable coins, yeah, stable yeah exactly, so I think that's the trio from this cycle that will be what the what the twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one cycle is going to be uh known for, so yeah that's that's the transactions on a dip we've got the cent in u s d uh' is still kind of uh bouncing around a bit um so
1: <laughs> what is this
0: so gosh this is a, this strange the nightmare uh the sent usd oh, no, 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 no. is still is still is still happening uh so yeah that's a sign for me that we're not totally at the bottom cuz i would expect sending usd to spike and then die off when we get completely to the bottom but that totally hasn't happened for btc it's still still jumping around and btc has, has recovered a bit so uh it seems like the they're still being propped up a little bit as as everything melts down, right? It's kind of funny that Bitcoin Cash is like barely visible flat line. Yeah, well it's funny because it's the same as the fee chart actually. It's the Bitcoin Cash fees that are just so flat versus the BTC fees. You can put the scale in logs so you can kind of compare both of them. But I sort of want to not do that because it really indicates how small in the whole crypto market BCH is. And then when we start seeing it uh, tick up that's when we'll know the flippening is really on. That's kind of my logic. So, um, yeah, that's 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 where we're at with these and uh, USD. Okay, so we're going into the Coinflex uh, story, the big main topic uh, of today. So, for the listeners, the story so far is that the at the in the last episode, which you may or may not have have listened to, it was on the twenty third of June, and that was just. After CoinFlex had paused withdrawals at that point, not very much was known. We sort of mentioned it and talked about it, but we didn't really make too much of uh speculation about it because the, the, it, well, there wasn't even enough time to see what the community's reaction was, let alone to consider how this was all going to play out or what was kind of likely. But shortly before the 23rd of June, CoinFlex, who are a uh, uh exchange that are very prominent in the bitcoin cash space because their ceo mark lamb has been a very big uh bitcoin cash proponent and then also other big players in the bitcoin cash scene like roger Veer and mike mike Komaransky, have invested in this exchange uh and they've been doing great at least until recently uh, and they also volunteered to run the smart Bitcoin cash bridge, which lets people move their money from the main Bitcoin cash chain onto the smart Bitcoin cash chain and, and back. So they were the ones kind of holding the funds and custodying back and forth, which is of course, not very decentralized, but it is, uh, looks like you need to subscribe to watch. We've got to fix that then. Um, Anyway, so they they were the they were the ones holding the holding the funds and coordinating this with the view that at the end of the uh, year, at so the end of this year, we would have a decentralized bridge that was running automatically. So that's why Coinflex is is important, and they are one of the smaller exchanges in the broader cryptocurrency ecosystem, but they're one of the biggest ones relative to. Uh, in the BCH scene and they do a lot of BCH volume because the community rewards them for being so friendly to the scene and also they, they run the bridge. So they started having withdrawal problems, which is never good to see in a crypto exchange, but it does happen from time to time. Binance shuts off their withdrawals once in a while. Sometimes they shut off BCH or Monero particularly, the most likely to be <laughs> fractional reserve uh, coins. So they stop that. Uh, but usually when an exchange shuts off withdrawals, that's kind of the beginning of the end. So they had just done this at the end, at the on the 23rd of June. So the community after that went into absolute chaos uh, because when this kind of thing happens, a lot of people have money on the line and we've seen it happen enough times that the doomsayers, come out of the woodwork immediately and not not unjustified so, uh to be honest. But in this case, it's it's a special scenario because it's not only is it the people who had their coins on CoinFlex who were trading, uh, it's also potentially the entire smart Bitcoin Cash ecosystem that is on the line because people couldn't get their money into or out of it, even though the smart bitcoin cash chain was still operating perfectly fine so you could still do all the stuff in smart bitcoin cash you just couldn't redeem it back into regular bitcoin cash so when this initial news hit max what, what did you think how do you what was your first impression
4: uh i was a little surprised but also not extremely surprised because we before this happened we've already saw in the news of other lending platforms that were that seemed reputable that were new, um, like BlockFi, Celsius. Um, now we have Voyager that um you know that became very popular during this this period where you know lending crypto earning yield was was one of the things that got a lot more people involved. And uh seeing those fall down, they were even probably significantly bigger than CoinFlex is, but is uh, you know, it's very unfortunate because CoinFlex kind of like I feel like it had a pretty good repu- reputation before this happened. Like, uh, if you look up, I think even Doug Polk, who, uh, you know, I think he's a pretty smart guy in the space. He's a you know professional poker player. Um, he did his due diligence on the company, he looked in the background of Mark Lamb and the others, it looked clean. It probably is clean. Um, I think maybe Coinflex just kind of got caught up in the hype and saw other lending platforms and like, well, we can do it too. Oh, we'll, uh, you know, let's, let's give us, you know, a lot of margin out, make some money and, you know, it'll probably be safe. we we'll, you know, we'll have some contracts signed, everything will be good. But now they're kind of caught up in the same mess as uh, all these other platforms um, where they just got too eager to lend and weren't cautious. They didn't, you know, do their, you know, proper risk management, perhaps. I mean, we don't really know what happened on internally. I mean, it'd be great to find out You know, why was there so much margin given out? You know, was there, what was the rationale behind it? I mean, we can speculate. I speculated. So, but yeah, it's surprising. It's kind of, it's very unfortunate for everybody that's, uh, that got involved and has funds on it or has funds on Smart BCH. You know, Uh, hopefully everything, you know, resolves itself. I mean, I don't think, I guess my own opinion, Mark Lamb seems like a good guy overall, but is he going to be able to get himself out of this mess? I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's kind of there's several uh, sort of threads and elements at play. So there's the depositors who put their money onto uh, Coinflex, and their money is potentially at risk. Obviously, if withdrawal shut down, there's the people who've got their coins locked on Smart Bitcoin Cash, which are sort of in a separate category. Then Flex uh, Coinflex also runs Flex USD, which is a stable coin that you can use on. Uh, Bitcoin Cash. So there are the potentially the people using that are also impacted in terms of being able to get redemptions or get their yield uh, as well. And then there is also Flex Coin, which the Flex Exchange uh, runs. That's that's the smallest part of the issue, basically that they have just like Binance or FTX or whatever. They have their own exchange token, which you can pay fees on their exchange with, and exchange activity burns that. Coin, so it's kind of like a, a weird sort of stock in the exchange that you can you can buy if you'd like that but the fate of that is obviously wholly dependent on the exchange it doesn't really have a separate uh ecosystem so that that part if Coinflex is having problems uh FlexCoin is always going to have problems that's just a, a guarantee that's part of the risk you're taking but the other things there's a more sort of custodial uh element to it uh which is part of it And yeah mark mark lamb definitely had a had an excellent reputation, and Coinflex actually had a, an excellent reputation. And like you say, so Doug Polk, for people who don't know, he's a—he uh, was must be—he's thirty-two or thirty-three, I think. He was a professional poker player for about a decade. Uh, he's famous for playing heads-up, you know, one at one and one uh, Texas Hold'em uh, poker, and and being really good at that. And he made you know a few million dollars in that scene. And then at a certain point, he kind of got a bit bored of poker and he started getting involved in crypto, just doing trading and doing sort of podcasts and discussions and uh, poking around with the scene a bit. Not that I've ever seen him really uh, talk about it. He's, he's even been, we've even had a segment with him on this uh, show where he was talking about Bitcoin cash, but he he's not particularly aligned with any given crypto or anything. He's He's not that involved but he's sort of involved in the overall space now and CoinFlex sponsored him to be their sort of ambassador as like a marketing thing. And so he's been shilling their stuff on his channel for the last couple of months and done some events and things with the CoinFlex team. And then when this all blew up, he was kind of a tangential part to it because uh, his reaction was very telling because he would potentially have insider access to what's going on at CoinFlex, but when this first came out, he sort of denounced it and said, I don't know what's going on. I'm not involved. Uh nobody's really communicated with me. It's just comes as a shock to me, the same as everyone else. Uh and and so at least initially we didn't have any extra intel from from him on on what was going on. And it really made it look like things were were in quite a mess that the CoinFlex team had not At least being able to reach out to him and give him the heads up, okay, wait, this is coming. You know, if you need to put out a statement or even just to reassure him that things were under control, if he was caught off guard, then it's no, you know, no wonder that everyone was caught off guard, right? So, the promise of this on the 23rd was that they would uh, give an update on the 27th, and I think in that time period uh i i was less worried i was kind of like well we'll just wait and see what the update is on the 27th there's no need to be chicken little today but i think overall i think the community handled it fairly well except for the most involved people on the telegram groups and on rbdc who immediately just started roasting mark lamb and just you know, calling him a scammer and just, obviously we didn't have very many details, but just this one after so many years of being a good contributor to the space, this one instance of, okay, guys, we've shut off exchanges without much of an explanation was just instantly, instantly just thrown to the wolves, which just to me kind of reinforced how, how fickle the cryptocurrency community can be. Not to say that anybody was necessarily wrong, you know, a, a, an exchange shouldn't be shutting off withdrawals and that's a huge red flag. But I think it was quite incredible to see how little patience or tolerance he got from the community at at that immediate early stage. That's what I noticed anyway.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, when your money is uh, locked away, you know, <laughs> people are going to get angry pretty quickly. And uh, I will say uh, Mark Lamb's doing an okay job of... Uh, I mean, I'm glad he's keeping involved and communicating and trying to answer what he can, but I did find some things kind of strange though, like uh, with Doug Polk, like he was not informed. He found out through Twitter that a place that he, you know, you know, advertises for essentially on his own YouTube channel and has his own reputation kind of pulled into this, that he, that he was not like immediately called and say, Hey, heads up, there's some stuff going down. We need to do it. You know, we need to, you know, have you involved in a meeting immediately. And inform him what's going on. Uh, That was one weird thing. Second one was just like more like small things, but they're really big. Like um, they didn't immediately put on their website, like, hey, do not use this. Like we're having liquidity issues. We're having solvency issues, whatever it is, however you want to put it, put a red flag. Don't use, you know, don't deposit, don't make an account, make it difficult for people to um, get involved in this. Maybe it was just kind of overlooked, but just a lot of small things here and there that. Are just kind of like strange and then like uh kind of like it's weird how they are uh like i think mark lamb posted it's roger ver that was the one that isn't is yeah we're, in we're, we're getting okay, to yeah, that we're, we're, okay. We're, okay. We're, okay. we're gonna get to that I we're gonna get to that far. but yeah <laughs> so that, that was strange but, things
0: yeah the initial reaction definitely was like suboptimal in terms of coin flex in in terms of how they communicated it and, and yeah, Mark was still answering people on Telegram, but I think you're gonna even still deposit to CoinFlex now, which is pretty scammy, you know, all things considered. Like that should have been it should have been we've disabled withdrawals and deposits because we don't want to screw over anyone new throwing their funds into the yeah, it's just... Ponzi scheme fire, right? Basically. So, you know, that was that's was pretty messed up. So anyway you wait a couple of days, the community's in a bit of turmoil. And then it comes to the 27th of June where they had promised this update. And so I was sort of expecting a a blog post, which they did do. But instead what happened was uh, Mark said he was going to go on Bloomberg on TV, uh, which is on the next slide. So we've got the full segment. Uh, It's a nine minute segment. Where he, you know, he's on he's on Bloomberg TV and he talks to the host and he explains kind of what the plan is uh, for Coinflex and we're going to play the whole nine minutes because I think this is super important to cryptocurrency uh, history and to BCH for the listeners to be able to make their own mind up about all all what was happening. So uh, Jet's going to line that up for us and and we'll just have that that nine minute segment but uh as we're getting that ready to go i just you know i watch watching this live i mean there's a part of me that enjoys this stuff really it's like being in the big short or like like when mount gox collapsed, or any of these huge blow-ups obviously it's terrible and a lot of people are getting wrecked and ruined but you know as a as a outside observer it's also kind of part of the fun of cryptocurrency like at least at least for me i i like being involved in all this financial history seeing it happen live and I guess sitting it de- up late to watch <laughs> this announcement it was crazy you know
4: i guess it depends if you have if you're uh, at risk right like if you had money in in Coinflex, a lot of it uh yeah it's not too fun <laughs> but yeah i mean from people, when you don't have any, you know, skin in the game, yeah, I mean, it is entertainment, I guess. Right. I mean, I so, I
0: have skin in the game. I I definitely okay. have skin. In the, I don't have money on Coinflex. Uh, By the way, also I meant like having coins. skin
4: in the uh, the, rim, in the, the, the entertainment part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, problems. yeah. Then it's well, like stressful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was stressed out even just being a a BCH holder and having the BCH ecosystem being in this kind of compromised spot you know it's still really bad for me but yeah, there's yeah there's a there's a there's a part of it that is kind of you know circus circus like uh in some respects all right jen we got that we got that clip ready to go
3: hedge fund yeah. three arrows capital like, which is facing its own liquidity troubles created even more anxiety then came Babel finance pausing withdrawals now coin flick flex the crypto physical futures exchanges in the spotlight OUR CRYPTO CONTRIBUTOR SHANALI Basak HERE TO GIVE US THE
5: LAY OF THE LAND. SHANALI. Yeah, SOMETHING INTERESTING HERE, EMILY, IS THAT IN ADDITION TO THE SITUATIONS THAT YOU HAD TALKED ABOUT, WHEN IT COMES TO COINFLEX, THE COUNTERPARTY WAS NOT THREE ARROWS CAPITAL OR ANOTHER LENDING FIRM. WE'RE GOING TO GET SOME MORE DETAILS ABOUT THAT IN JUST A SECOND, BUT JUST AS EQUALLY INTERESTING HERE IS HOW THE INDUSTRY IS BEING SHORED UP IN THE MIDDLE OF THIS CRYPTO WINTER AND LIQUIDITY CRUNCH. WE'RE GOING TO TALK ABOUT JUST HOW THAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN NOW WITH MARK LAMB, THE CEO OF Coinflex. Coinflex is looking to bring back their operations in more normal form, resuming with withdrawals by Thursday, June thirtieth. And one of the ways that you said to me today that you're planning on doing that is by issuing a new token that is almost 50 million. That's 47 million dollars worth with a 20 percent yield. That is a large return to investors who would get into this token. But Mark, tell me. What does this token actually represent? Who is it making whole? How is it making them whole? And what happens if you can't raise that money?
2: Yeah sure. So um, at Coinflex, fundamentally we believe in markets transparency and tokenization. So we've done that with one of our other products flex USD. It's uh, it's it's on markets. It's 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 funding a market our repo market and it's a token. And we're doing that again here with uh, recovery value USD. So RV USD. It's a way for us to use tokenization to solve this problem where we have this asset which is um, it's an ultra high net worth individual. Um, They they owe us these funds. Um, We do believe that they're going to get us these funds at some point in the future. And we wanted to make it such that the assets um, all match up and everything matches up in a way where it's a market based And we pass on this risk to investors that are understand what the risk is and and are eager for this risk and basically um, solve the problem. Right now we can't have withdrawals. Um, There are lots of different ways of solving these problems in in crypto finance and crypto generally is on the cutting edge of finance. And one of the ways that um, hasn't been as successful in the past is when companies put their head in the sand or refuse to communicate or go hide behind the excuse of lawyers um, rather than treating lawyers as, as advisors and cons- consigliaries in creating solutions that resolve the problem extremely quickly and, in, and also in a way where more people get to participate in the solution.
5: Mark assuming that this does work that you're able to raise this token and withdrawals do begin again on June 30th. Are you afraid that you will face a run on the bank in that kind of a scenario.
2: We're not worried about that scenario because upon this uh, fundraise being concluded, um, everyone can withdraw. And, and so we want everything to be always matched at all times. And in, you know, in situations where that isn't, we have to intervene. We have to do these things. We are going forward. We're going to take even further steps on making every aspect of the exchange transparent, uh, including the futures positions the notional value, not the specific coin, but the notional value of every account's positions public uh, via an external auditing firm and also the margin backing those positions. And we think that ultimately that's in line with our, you know, our ethos from day one. We've, we've wanted everything to be market-based, transparent and tokenized.
3: What's your longer term plan mark to make sure that if we experience this kind of volatility in the market again and certainly the crypto market will experience this volatility again. It is a volatile market that this won't happen that it all doesn't come down to or depend on one individual.
2: Yeah. So part of the issue here was and this is common practice in crypto and and really it originates from traditional finance. But we had a customer on a personal recourse based non-liquidation account. Um, We will be eliminating that type of account. We will also be making these positions public. And you won't just have to take our word for it. We have an auditing firm that we're going to be working with to uh, have them publish this data. And this is much needed data in futures. There isn't a single crypto futures exchange in the world, uh, uh, including here in the US, um, that, that makes this data public around Uh, position sizes and the margin ratios margin balances and collateral backing those positions. And it is one of those things where there's a balance between transparency and privacy. Right now in DeFi they've set the standard in terms of transparency and we need to do at least as good as if not much better than DeFi with respect to transparency so that depositors and users can feel comfortable trading. Um, It it, it has a damage to, to privacy but we think that traders are going to find that worthwhile for the you know the additional comfort that they get from knowing the risk and the leverage implicit in the system.
3: So what's your message to customers right now. What's the level of confidence your level of confidence that in the three days between now and June 30th you're going to make that date.
2: Yeah I'm highly confident. We have uh, we have spoken to people nonstop on on phone calls and in-person meetings uh, since this issue arose. And um, we have more than half of the uh, the amount needed in soft commitments to uh, to get this done. And so I'm I'm highly confident that there's strong appetite from within the crypto space and also in the broader institutional space in this type of token. Um, It's not we're we're turning a problem into an opportunity and we're also um, you know, we're also turning that into an opportunity that gets resolution very, very quickly. You know, this this is something where at the end of this offering, um, you know, the the problem is solved within a matter of days. This is something that's been done before in crypto's history. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's been extremely successful when it's been done before in crypto.
5: What kind of pressure do you feel to reveal more details about who this investor is who couldn't meet the margin calls initially especially when this new token is tied to their fortunes. The people who will be investing in this new token are doing it to make this other investor that they don't know whole.
2: Yeah that's a that's a great question. And look I think the market is always going to demand more and more transparency. So we're we're going to be revealing as much information as we can as we're able to reveal that information. At this point, this is you know, this is what we can give. And we wanted to very, very quickly uh, be fully transparent about what happened, how we're resolving it and our plan going forward to, uh, you know, protect customers. Uh, and, and be fully transparent to customers about all the leverage in the system and how it's collateralized. But I think, uh, I think the market will demand that information. I think the market will try to pursue that information. And uh, you know, that's the beautiful and powerful thing about markets. And that's the important thing about transparency. And uh, I, I think that's what's gonna happen going forward.
5: This one customer, I mean, how do you know whether he or she can Pay you back. How much confidence do you have that you will get that money back. And what confidence can you have customers that you would remain solvent and be able to uh, continue operations in normal form if they can't pay you back.
2: Yeah. So we have alternative mechanisms if if we're not able to uh, conclude this raise. We have alternative mechanisms we're looking at and we have on the table. Um, really the focus is on this mechanism because it actually opens up a new type of asset for customers to invest in. And um, you know I think there's a lot of people very familiar with the situation. I think there's a lot of people who you know want ass- a- access to this type of yield. So it's again we want to turn this into an opportunity for people. We want to be totally transparent about what happened. And we also want to make it clear um, going forward. Uh, every bit of data about the inner workings of our exchange is going to be public. You know, We, we already um, are extremely public about all the data in our exchange, but this is an area for us to go even further and even more cutting edge on the transparency note.
3: All right, Mark Lamb, CEO of Coinplex. CoinFlex. Thank you, Mark, for coming and sharing your side of what's happening with us, along with our very own Shanali Bostic. Appreciate it. Coming up. That-
0: so my impression watching this at the time, was my my heart was dropping. I was like spewing. I was thinking, this is a complete disaster. To be honest, I was I had been optimistic up until this point, but after this video, uh, after this segment was live, I thought this is an absolute disaster. He talked so much about how everyone can participate in the solution, and it seemed just beyond ridiculous that the solution to having these missing funds was to not really name the whale and to be looking to kind of protect them and then to issue basically a new scam token that was that was going to get dumped on retail. It was going to try and get retail to buy in, to cover the whale's uh, shortfall, essentially. And then it, basically it looked like Mark was trying to bail out his mate because he was trying to get retail investors to buy a new scam coin, which would essentially cover the losses that his, uh, you know, whale friend had accrued on his own platform. He didn't really say who the whale was or didn't really give any more information about that. And there was obviously no mention about smart Bitcoin cash and the hundred thousand coins that the community has kind of, Locked up in all this much aside from the actual depositors to the exchange, so initially this whole plan of we're gonna wear forty seven million dollars down, we're gonna issue this recovery value USD token at at the twenty percent Apr just it just looked like the crypto disaster you know it it was just getting worse at every single step now it turned out afterwards. Uh, that he just did a very poor job of explaining the fact that this token was not being sold to retail. It was only being sold to accredited high net worth investors, which actually changes the scenario quite significantly because unlike clueless retail idiots on CoinMarketCap, this means people are buying into the debt who actually know what's going on and potentially have insider access So they might be able to get more guarantees about what was going on. They might be able to find out who the whale is. They might have more sort of sureties. They might have more legal recourse and more, you know, millions of dollars to hire lawyers and get to the bottom of it all if there's a problem. So afterwards, the change, the fact that it was actually only to accredited, um, you know, big money institutions rather than being sold to scam the public did make a significant change but initially i think mark did a terrible job of sort of explaining that and i think he looked really nervous on the broadcast and i think everybody just picked up on that and thought god this is this is fucked uh certainly the initial yeah reaction from this wasn't wasn't favorable either what do you think max yeah i think he may need like a public relations like
4: advisor or something because he he does seem to like say something and it just sounds worse than it actually is sometimes. And yeah, like when you're announcing a new token to try to cover the debt, it just sounds, yeah, like you might be trying to scam retail. Um, one thing that's interesting is why are they tokenizing it, right, like if, if, you know, there's other ways to sell debt in traditional finance that doesn't revol- doesn't need a token. So is it is it a way for like these investors to buy the token and then dump on retail? Once it's uh, once they own it, you know, it let them trade it on Coinflex or another platform. I don't know. It's interesting to think about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the token part of it was also weird because then it meant that they, you had to be outside the U.S. to be one of these accredited investors because if you were inside the U.S., then it would be under their unregistered securities laws or whatever, so you would right. get caught up in that. As well too so yeah it's right they they at the scale they're doing it they should be able to just get out the lawyers and just draft up because if it is going to be big it's basically just a bailout so adding the whole token element didn't really make a lot of sense and made it seem so much scammier than it was although it's obviously still scammy to have shut down the withdrawals (laughs) anyway and i one element that seemed very clear to it which in, in my mind, the, the solution was actually why didn't they just figure out what assets they did have, figure out what the shortfall was, and then you could just immediately say, okay, you could do it the other way around. And instead of saying, okay, we're going to keep the exchange locked off until we find buyers for this massive amount of debt, why don't we just give everybody, let's say it's a 30% haircut, we just give everybody 30% less, reopen the exchange with everybody's balances downshifted. You know that certain amount and then also give everyone some whale cash out tokens which are worthless when you give it to them but you say look once we chase up the whale or once we get the money back or whatever then we'll credit you uh for your whale token so in that way you immediately reopen the exchange you're letting everybody take out their money to the extent that they still have that money in whatever whatever portion it is and then you can be trying to handle the whale afterwards or trying to chase up dead or whatever. Do that on your own time and not keep the community screwed in this entire situation. I I don't really understand why yes. that wasn't an option, but it seemed like they were terrified of giving people a haircut. It seems like they still are, to be honest, but especially we initially. <laughs> you know. Well,
4: one thing is we don't know how big of a haircut it's going to be. Um, you know, I think Doug Polk <laughs> yeah, uh right. mentioned in his uh res- resignation video where he's resigning from being the brand ambassador, he mentioned that one question we don't know is uh, what do we have instead of what can we get? Because right now, what can we get is to fix everything, but what do we actually have that's left?
0: And we don't know that. Well, there was a clue on the slides of that Bloomberg thing where it said 160 million dollars of or 167 million dollars of assets or something like that. Oh, so if maybe. there's of course, that might not be totally, you know, but that was clearly the numbers that CoinFlex gave to Bloomberg. Uh, and I, I mean, it's also possible they could have just lied, but I feel like, well, maybe that's about right. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the bridge uh, stuff is about 100, is about 10 million. Um, there's 47 million missing from the whale. And that was clearly a big enough chunk that it was sort of like we got to, <laughs> we got to we got to stop this. This is enough, uh. And then that's okay. So forty-seven million there, ten million for the the BCH, okay. And then that's roughly one third of what the rest of their user deposits and the Flex USD and the Flex Coin and everything like that. It sort of roughly makes sense. So to me, it seemed like it would maybe be about thirty percent to thirty, you know, thirty-five percent. of the the exchange assets are missing with this 47 million. And I think if you gave everyone a 33% haircut and then just give them back their, back their coins immediately with, okay, we'll get these, the rest of this topped up when we either find some somebody that we can sell some equity to and get a bailout or when the whale decides to pay up, to me, that would have been a much better solution, but it just seems like they're obsessed with not giving everyone a haircut. But ultimately, if you don't sort this out, then you've given everyone a hundred percent haircut, and no, you know, how is that any better, right? Yeah, the haircut
4: might be the last resort. Where maybe after enough time goes by, you know, they'll resort to some sort of haircut, or who knows? Actually, I don't know.
0: I don't know, Jet. I just wanted to get your take as well. When you were watching this live, what what did you think?
1: Oh, I thought this was bad. Like, I think, uh, yeah, uh, uh, he should have had a PR person for sure. Because, so I feel like that last question, I don't know, I've, I've, I've listened to this and watched this a couple times now. And every time she gets that last question where she's like, why would someone buy this token? I feel like he does not give a even reasonable answer. It's not even like a marketing answer. It's like a complete avoidance of the goddamn question. And so I thought this was like, foolish like either have a uh, scripted and allowed questions and answers so that it looks good or like have some training so that it looks good or don't do it like seemed foolish now i think like uh how they reacted before this like i think it's overconfident i think a lot of it is overconfident i think the reason they even were even in this situation is because of overconfidence like uh uh there was a there was a post in i think the coinflex telegram chat from last december where mike had tagged uh mark and was like i hope you're not running fractional reserve bch and he said we're not I don't know if that's like siloed to BCH, but how are we in this position if it's not fractional reserve based? Uh and, and on top of that too, like on the website it says you can redeem your your flex USD one to one with USDC. And if the market of that, I think it dropped to as low as like 36 cents US, uh, how in the hell is that the case? Well, because it's not actually, you know, one to one, it's ten percent and the other ninety percent is margin trading. So I think that, I mean, watching this was bad, like just bad. Uh,
4: just one comment to make. Um, I know on their they always advertise that they're fully collateralized. And uh, now this kind of pretty much says they were lying the whole time. They're not fully collateralized. I mean, they had, uh, I mean, they could kind of try to stretch it a bit saying, well, you know, in the contract, it said that, you know. If you know he he has to pay his margin call with he he says he, he signed it that he would sell you know whatever assets to cover the margin uh, collateral. But like in reality the the collateral wasn't on the platform to where it could be you know automatically liquidated. It, it was something that was agreed upon outside of it. It's not it's not really fully collateralized, at least in my opinion.
1: Um Yeah, exactly. I'm curious too, what percentage of CoinFlex's users are bch users and then what percentage like uh, i don't know yeah i'm interested in the transparency thing i'd like to see the real numbers for how many or what assets they have on hand etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but i don't understand even like why smart bch users or the the main chain bch that's locked up for this was exposed to any of coinflex's dealings that seems like such a, a misstep
0: well, that's that's kind of in the aftermath, that's that's come out as one of the big points of contention, right? Is that everybody sort of says, okay, so CoinFlex volunteered to run this and it it sort of obviously in hindsight it's easy to say, oh a centralized solution, this was always a stupid idea. But the fact is before this happened, it was it was it was not actually that terrible of an idea in the sense that CoinFlex are a very long running exchange. They do have the capabilities to secure, you know, cold storage of a hundred thousand Bitcoin cash and have all the legal and financials and the sort of administrative stuff in place. Like you can't just give any, you know, Johnny hundred thousand Bitcoin Cash and say, look, look after this, because it's it's not really that simple, right? The institutional grade storage of that amount of money is not actually a simple thing to to do and having all the processes and checks and everything. And they were actually very well positioned to do that. So it was, okay, we're just going to kind of just trust CoinFlex until we get the decentralized bridge out. Um, and now it's all gone to shit, right? So, you know, in hindsight, it didn't make any sense. But there, it's not like there was better options available in terms of... The, the only other option was just not have smart Bitcoin cash for all this time and wait for the decentralized bridge which okay in an alternate universe that's what we could have done but how would things have played out if we hadn't had the community already testing and building apps and all this stuff going on you know in a different reality where we just waited an extra two years and launched it with a decentralized bridge and everything well maybe that would be a perfect utopia but there's that also misses out the scenario that we had been on this track and we'd done the we did it this way and Coinflex didn't blow up and then everything was going great, and we had two years of extra lead time, right? So, yeah, it seems, it does seem stupid that the money was not in a separate pot from the rest of the CoinFlex assets. But I think that's more on CoinFlex rather than the community. I think the community were just sort of like, okay, uh, CoinFlex are competent and they will put this in a separate c- kind of thing. But now it's wrapped up in everything else. And given the scenario, at, uh, Coinflex is shaky. Mark is not really willing to r- release the money. Uh, both, you know, for, from a financial point of view, and I guess also, at least he would say uh, how much is up to audience interpretation. From a legal perspective, he doesn't want to just give back that money and then find out that he's on the hook, you know, for for giving away this money that should have been in a liquidation procedure or something like that um so i'm
4: guessing the lawyers are just like just shut everything down because we don't know what is who owns what technically right like is it because i don't know if you know we don't know how i don't know how it worked but i'm guessing it wasn't like a a separate legal entity that they created for smart bch right it was very intermingled with the exchange to where who's actually in possession of it you know i don't know how they how it was set up, you know, like internally or even through the people that are, you know, helping out with smart BCH with, I don't know who even owns those keys or is it a multi-sig wallet? The All that BCH that's on, that's in possession of CoinFlex, like a hundred thousand
0: Bitcoin yeah, so, Coin, and- so CoinFlex have that money, but they also have these guys Fireblocks who are sort of an institutional grade multi-sig and this is what i'm saying just anybody just setting all this up is not actually that simple but they have these guys who also have at least some of the keys i don't know if they are required to sign or if it's just a backup or i don't know exactly how that works but the point is they are also involved in this somehow and the smart bch coins are still there they haven't moved from the address so the community at least knows that the money hasn't gone. It hasn't all been sold off uh, in Coinflex uh exchange or, or whatever. Uh, it hasn't got really that bad, but it's just kind of in limbo at the, at the moment. And I guess, depending on in the best case scenario, this kind of all somehow works out where somewhere or another, the 47 million gets, gets covered either because, you know, the whale gives the money back or because, um, you know, outside investors buy this token to try and yield twenty percent, or because uh, they buy some equity or or something, or perhaps even Coinflex goes bust. But one way or another, Mark Lamb, assuming he's still sort of acting in the interest of the community, manages to sort of throw the football out. You know, he gets the gets the hundred k BCH back out to the community, and then everything sort of collapses at at Coinflex. Like one way or another. The money gets handed oh. off to someone else right well, it makes yeah me it's wonder... very
1: complicated it makes me wonder what like reputational um what the change in like reputational damage would be if <clears throat> rather than them shutting down withdraws uh, and being like oh well we'll come back like we'll we'll re-enable them at some point uh we still have all this bch but you know we might not be able to move it unless you know, I can see. In, in, if it was the case that Mark ends up behind prison for touching those locked BCH, yeah, okay. Do what you need to do to stay out of prison, sure. But to get to the point, I wonder what the difference in reputation would be if, rather than doing this, he was like, okay, we're going to release all that like locked up main chain BCH if you want to get out. Um, and if CoinFlex does go tits up, well, we have a, a solid team. Like, we can just start another exchange. Uh, would that new exchange have just as little reputation as what I think CoinFlex currently has? Or would it have more?
0: Well, I feel that the most of the reason that the community is upset in the first place is the whole smart Bitcoin cash angle. To me, that seems to be the, the, the core of the issue. It's obviously it's not the core of the issue for Mark because he's trying to save his exchange and all that stuff. But for the rest of the community if the, the smart Bitcoin cash system is still working, if the, the bridge coins were out of there and were, you know, held by someone else or, or whatever in an alternate universe, I think everybody would be like, Oh no Coinflex. But anyway, you know, that Jeremy Clarkson type of meme, the thing I think everybody's so uh, cut up about is this money that they thought, even though it was always clear from the start okay coinflex is holding these temporarily and mark seems to have been a good actor i mean in the light of all these circumstances you know people have varying interpretations charitably or uncharitably of that now but up to this point it seemed like he was cooperating with the community and it was all going great you know if the, if because if coinflex went bust regularly the people who would be at fault would be the ones who just had their money in there for trading or for whatever, and then it's just kind of the same. Not your keys, not your coins, three arrows, capital, Voyager, BlockFi. It's just the same as all of them. If you got caught up in it, it was your own stupid fault. But this smart BCH thing is kind of a different category because it was done on a on a basis of community goodwill as a as a collective to advance the scene as a whole rather than you know individual gambling on exchanges, kind of an idea. I don't know. I, I think that would have been hugely different if if uh, the the smart BCH coins had had been had been separate. Okay, so the next thing that happened was so we had all this on the twenty seventh, and then things got even uh, more kicking off on the twenty eighth, uh, when Roger Ver came out with a tweet. People were sort of speculating that it might be him. He sort of matched the profile. He'd been involved in Coinflex. You know, he's obviously ultra-high net worth individual, very well known, etc. Um, he put out a tweet saying recently some rumors have been spreading that I have defaulted on a debt to a counterparty. These rumors are false. Not only do I not have a debt to this counterparty, but this counterparty owes me a substantial sum of money, and I'm currently seeking the return of my funds. So, end quote. So this you know speculation is going absolutely wild at this point it, he kind of phrased it in a weird way and he also had this weird formatting on his tweet with a a line break at the end i guess he must have just copied it and pasted it in from his lawyer's email to him or something but he sent out this weird tweet saying he didn't even say specifically counter you know coinflex was the counterparty or anything like that he just it was obvious that that was what it was about, but he kind of said it in this weird way. And he said, "Look, I'm not, I'm not the whale," because people had sort of cottoned on to the fact that recovery value USD is RV USD, right? It's like a intentional or not. That's another weird element to this. Was it intentional by Coinflex to sort of signal right from the start to everybody that it is Roger Vier, or was that just an oversight that they could have called it Coinflex USD? And nobody would have been any the wiser initially, did they? Did they want everybody to make that connection? Like, what's what? I think they wanted. I, that?
4: Well, I think someone I don't know who mentioned it, but I think they they wanted Roger to know that that hey, if you don't pay up, you know, your name's already, your initials are already on our on the token name, and maybe it was like a way to like encourage him to pay off the debt.
0: But they so could also know that the community would then. Figure that out, right? So you're sort of firing off preemptively by by putting the initials in there, if you know what I'm saying, right? Um, I feel like it's definitely. I feel
4: like it's be far for a coincidence. I, they, they had, I don't know what the intention was exactly, but there was definitely a reason why they put it in there.
0: Yeah. So anyway, Roger says, "Look, it's not me," and then immediately, this people you know are speculating. Is Roger Veer being honest, which in the you know, he's he also the same as CoinFlex has a very, very good uh reputation and history, uh for the most part, you know, with with maybe a couple of exceptions, you know, and obviously everybody has a different opinion, right? But uh on the whole, very highly uh regarded and also very high integrity, not known for lying, uh you know, particularly. So it seemed like, okay, well, we should probably take it at, at face value. But then you had in under an hour after he made this tweet, you then had a counter tweet from Mark Lamb who said that it was him. So Mark posted, quote, Roger Veer owes CoinFlex 47 million USDC. We have a written contract with him, obliging him to personally guarantee any negative equity on his CoinFlex account and top up margin regularly. He has been in default of this agreement and we have served a notice of default. default. He had a long track record of previously topping up margin and meeting margin requirements in accordance with the agreement. We have been speaking to him on calls frequently about this situation with the aim of resolving it we would still like to resolve it. He is denying that the debt pertains to him, and so we felt the need to clarify to the public that yes, the debt is 100% related to his account. Roger Vier is a citizen of the European Union who we believe has significant assets in the US, UK, and other relevant jurisdictions. CoinFlex also categorically denies that we have any debts owing to him. His statement is blatantly false. It is unfortunate that Roger Vier needs to resort to such tactics in order to deflect from his liabilities And responsibilities, end quote. So at this point, we've now, you know, we we've now got a sort of who said what scenario where it seems like at least one of them has to be lying, right? Either Roger isn't the counterparty like he claimed, or he is like Mark said he is, and it seems that he that he that he probably is, but that the dispute is really over. Whatever happened with the forty-seven million dollars, and do you know was he trade? He was he trading on Coinflex, and then for some reason, not wanting to pay back the the margin and the the loans and everything. So, you know, what 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 did you make of things after after these tweets came out? What what did you think? I would I would say um, yeah I was surprised that first
4: of all why why are they announcing this through a tweet you know like it's kind of the you know unprofessional a bit to uh to be doxing somebody on a tweet I mean maybe releasing a statement or something instead um and then in terms of what went down um it's probably somewhere in the middle I mean I'm sure it's probably is Roger Roger Ver, um that is the person that owes the money. But the question is is why does he think he doesn't owe the money? I'm I'm sure there's something there that we don't know because Roger's not saying anything. Um that you know for whatever reason maybe they liquidated his position early or just something weird on the platform. I that's just me speculating, but there must have been something went down where he thought he was in the right and it's like why'd you do that? Or uh, I didn't mean to do that and your platform did this or I didn't, you know, there's some sort of disagreement there. Of who owes who what um and i'm sure you know we just don't have the information really like roger hasn't said much and we really and we don't know how much he didn't say in his tweet like how much the counterparty counterparty owes him he just says substantial amount while mark is being very specific it's
0: 47 million that you owe us so that's a bit interesting as well yeah so there was all these kind of theories coming out of people trying to say okay what could or, or couldn't have happened i think the most you know the most popular one or the there there's it's, it's, it's essentially just a lot of variations on on the theme of okay roger was trying to basically get margin trade on B BC- Age. I mean, he could have actually been trying to margin trade on any coin, but you I know. think everybody just thinks that he would be trying to margin trade. Yeah, everyone's Bitcoin assuming cash.
4: he's just longing Bitcoin cash as it dips and then just keeps getting liquidated.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so then he is in and because he had this agreement with Mark that or with the exchange that. He's not going to get liquidated because he just has shitloads of money and he can basically withstand any amount of uh, negative uh, downside uh, pressure. Which I'm amazed that that's a that's a thing at all. I mean, Mark said that that um, other traditional finance and crypto exchanges do this all the time. I guess, between banks, where it's kind of like you can be billions and billions and billions of dollars in the red. And it's literally just like, oh, okay, that's just a couple bucks between friends. Uh, But I'm amazed that this is a thing at all. It seems to me more like everybody should want to be protecting their own money and not winding up in this situation. But I guess that's how you get the 2008 financial crisis. So anyway, we have a mini version of that going on here and everybody yeah seems to assume that roger was trying to go long on on bitcoin cash the price kept dropping eventually he's in the red 47 million dollars and then mark was like okay roger you need to put some more money into to backing this up and roger said no and then so they just said fine fuck you then we'll just close close it off like that's kind of the end of the the free ride deal and that then they're now neg- out 47 million dollars with roger who doesn't want to pay and then they're like holy crap this is actually really bad and then shut off all the withdrawals and now we're in this mess that's so but i'm sure that because i really want to look at this situation and find a way that neither of them is lying i think in these kind of situations where you, you know if if it was a different case where you had people who had lower sort of integrity or goodwill like in other crypto scenes where things blow up and you just have somebody who's just there to grift basically yeah i think it's kind of a different scenario with everybody just trying to save their skin but in this case with mark and roger particularly who have been in bitcoin cash for years and years and everybody knows that bitcoin cash is the passion coin that you're in it for the vision like if you want to just grift up some bullshit there's a lot of easier places to do it um and both of them do honestly believe in the whole peer-to-peer cash mission so it seems to me the more likely case is some kind of scenario where from their own perspective both of them are telling the truth but there's there's kind of a middle ground there yeah where roger thought okay well, well, they shouldn't have been closing off my account because we had this deal. But Mark's kind of like, yeah, but you wouldn't put up the margin, and it's left open to interpretation. We also haven't seen that this contract that uh, Mark says he he has that Roger signed. We haven't seen really any further details about that. What was in that? Uh, you know, any you know rules or or other. Verbal agreements that were agreed on top of that. Obviously, you know, contract law can get pretty, uh, pretty murky, pretty fast on that on that front. But I think at this point, especially, somebody did a poll. I think in the Telegram chat, and basically said, "Look, whose fault do you think it is? Do you think it's Rogers or, or Marks? If you had to pick a side." And obviously, they they should have also probably given it an option for both and or neither but they didn't do that so just on the picker side front at this point the community or the telegram group at least it was surveyed was almost exactly 50-50 uh oh, yeah. so you know i thought that was quite interesting yeah right? that's
4: very weird because i mean coinflex is the one that's supposed to be the responsible you know institution the business that's supposed you know like no risk management you know like they're giving out so much margin to an individual client to where the point where if that client does not pay, that their whole business operations just have to immediately shut down. Like what was the thought process in their head that they thought this was, you know, okay. Like this is like not high risk that what they were doing when they were giving out this margin to begin with. Um, That just kind of surprises me that they would, like I said, I, I think back earlier, a few, you know, and then earlier in the episode, I said like they kind of got caught up just like how Celsius and BlockFi did, where it's just like, just give out, you know, let people borrow as many coins as they want to, and to these institutions that may become insolvent or, you know, default on their loans. But like, for example, three euros capital defaulting. Now you have Roger defaulting on his loan. And it's like, I mean, you can blame those, but I'd blame the ones that were giving them all that margin or all that, uh, let them borrow so much money. It's just, you know, feels like that they're, they didn't, you know, think through before they made these deals.
0: Well, I think, yeah, obviously, Coinflex uh, are sort of definitely complicit in this in one sense, but especially at, at, at this moment in time, I think some of the sentiment running against Roger was sort of like, if, if this scenario that we've talked about... Oh, what What's is this? What are, you, what are you trying to show <laughs> us here, Jet? You're going to have to speak up. Oh, I can't the read poll. that, man. read it for us
1: so this is a poll with only 42 or sorry 52 votes Um, but it says who takes the L responsible for the fuck up Roger Veer 8% Coinflex 33% fuck them both 59%
0: yeah yeah and that was from that was from the BCH uh, the the podcast telegram right
1: Uh, yeah it was forwarded I don't know where where it came from originally but
0: right okay so yeah if you give the option for both that was clearly heavily. Uh, that was clearly heavily the favored option. Everybody felt yeah. like they're both. You know, whatever guess, the scenario, it takes two to fight, basically, right? I so, think.
4: I think the reason why people don't that people might be choosing Roger is because he was like a trusted member in the community. You know, like people saying he's responsible. He should. He should have been smart enough to not that he knew what he was doing when he's going to default on this loan. If I default on this loan, everybody in this community is going to lose their money or have a really tough time trying to recover their money so it kind of act because the thing of it if it was like just a random person like no one no one knew this person some random rich person that never was involved in crypto no one knows their name high net worth individual borrowed a bunch defaulted who would be would they say that's the person to blame probably not because they don't have they don't have their name isn't well known in the community they weren't you know trusted anything or anything then it would just be all the blame on mark lamb and coinflex at least that's my speculation. If that was the situation, it wasn't Roger, it was just some other random individual no one ever heard of, everyone would just be pointing their fingers at probably CoinFlux. But maybe I'd be wrong.
0: Yeah, but I think that's 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 I think that's right. I think that's the key yeah. element to this is that we always talk about the Bitcoin Cash community. And as much as that word is totally overused by every bloody influencer trying to make a quick buck off people, again, especially with Bitcoin Cash, it, it really is a community in the sense that we're all on a mission and we're all on a, on a team and people grifting and scamming and doing like shady shit kind of impacts the coin, which impacts everyone. It impacts trust. It impacts the ability for us to actually change the world, right? As a, as a team. So, and unfortunately for Roger, it's kind of working against him that he has been at the forefront of, of that and has so much goodwill that, it's probably then more uh likely that that people are kind of willing to be like oh you screwed us over you know uh finding finding fault with him in right. that they way both, i they, think they both have
4: reputations at stake right at least within this community the ones that were affected like both reputations are now you know treading on thin water essentially and <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably yeah, uh, putting it mildly yeah yeah I'm yeah like that. You know, take they always say it takes years to build reputation, but like what seconds to destroy it. So it's kind of what we're seeing
0: right now with both Coinflux and Roger. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we haven't really heard. Omar's pointing out in the in the chat, we haven't really heard the full side of the story from uh, Roger yet. We will apparently be hearing that tomorrow on a Bitcoin Cash hangout. He said he's going to come on and mm. and talk uh talk about that. So we would might be able to get more. Of his perspective, and then maybe that's another reason why initially things were kind of balanced, or Roger seemed to be getting a lot of the blame was that his initial sort of PR strategy seemed to be to just sit sit tight and say nothing. I mean, who knows what was going on um, behind the the scenes? But it has been very unfortunate for for both of them to be caught up in this, and there's certainly an element that they seem both to blame from the outside, just because it takes two to argue kind of thing so if you know what whatever happened the the fact that they couldn't hold it together on either end enough to just find a resolution privately among themselves and they had to turn mm-hmm. it into this huge blow up and this huge issue for the whole community is kind of why they're both you know suffering some um yeah the drama is very uh fascinating hopefully we can get more information
4: just like what what went down exactly detail for detail that would be awesome But
0: I think it's also very, just in general, for the community as well, it's super hard because the BCH community, you know, it had the BDC fork, then it had the BSV fork, then it had the e fork, and each of those was this tough grinding, like, community battle and everything. And then it seemed like finally the community was on the same page, things were going in the right direction, okay, is the price maybe not doing so well, but everything else in the scene seemed to be going great and uh, everybody was like feeling re-energized smart Bitcoin cash is coming. The hard fork upgrade went great. All this stuff's going great. And just as, just as the sun is starting to shine the, now we're in another lot of uh, drama. I mean, to be, to be optimistic or to put a a silver lining on this, the, the good point is that this is drama that isn't going to cause a chain split. Uh, to begin with and it's not drama among the the devs and the core network governance so things have kind of moved out a layer and that's always a good sign because as your scene gets bigger and as drama moves kind of more to the periphery the amount of the economy that so this is is quite substantial in in what it impacts on the bch economy right it's actually quite a big chunk but it's still less than literally everybody which is what a fork impacts
1: do we want to i can run a twitch poll here to see what our viewers think
0: okay all right let's get the let's get the live live thoughts from them i'll leave up to you to decide with the exact wording of the question and the the options um but yeah let's 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 hear from the listeners and while we're doing that the uh so then I was, the I have
4: one question um what yeah. do you think was the most impactful or at least the the biggest hurdle that bitcoin cash had to like overcome is it the BTC, BCH fork, the BSV, Ecash, or this, like, or any other events
0: that that like caused the biggest amount of devastation or problems. Oh, it had to be the original fork, at least in okay. my mind. I was less involved, like not really involved at all in either of the BSV or the Ecash uh forks. So maybe maybe that was you know more more of a drama. I, I was less involved, but I think it's hard to go past the original bdc fork and being censored out in the way that things were just the chaos was unreal even in the sense that the BSV and the e fork after those forks were done it was known that you could have a fork and have and survive it basically that first time it it was it was this close to the brink like in fact the whole the whole way it launched and stuff i i you know pretty much was in favor of it as pretty much as soon as it did happen. But I personally wasn't in the position of the technical know-how and everything to, to launch, launch a fork and to everyone who was involved and who got together and who, who did it, you know, I'm eternally uh, grateful to you, but there just was so much uh, discussion suppression. There was so many shady deals going on. There was so much, um, manipulation there was so much confusion it could have easily not happened and there was all this stuff there was this multiple um attacks in terms of okay we're going to have the small block fork but then they sort of wanted to do segwit but then there was like we're going to have segwit 2x which is going to be kind of a middle ground which was sort of a bit of a distractionary tactic that never played out Uh, because at the end of the day people either wanted a block size or they wanted segwit nobody really wanted uh I, i do wonder how like
4: big the smart bch is compared to like the whole ecosystem because it didn't really like a whole it didn't affect the price so much like if when it went down it was just it maybe if it did it was very not noticeable so i always wonder like are people because I always kind of think that people just see Bitcoin Cash as like this, you know, like cheap knockoff Bitcoin. Yeah, like outside the crypto community that anything that happens internally almost is goes unnoticed unless it's like something really big, like a hard fork, like the,
0: the BSV hard fork, for example. Then people outside the community kind of take notice. But uh well, that's an element to this coin flex yeah. drama as well, too, is the fact that it has been there was some you know, ridiculing and stuff from the outside. And basically, yeah, we have to take an L on that when your community is in this kind of drama. Like, everyone else just kind of gets a free pass to pile on and you just got to suck it up. Uh, But on the other hand, there was, like, somebody was publishing lists of, okay, here's all the crypto meltdowns this week and this, this, this. this. And BCH didn't even make the list. Like, CoinFlex was not even (laughs) uh, called out. Um, So... Yeah, it seemed like a business. story that
4: didn't really get covered a whole lot. That's right.
0: As, yeah, BCH always sucks from having the, uh, you know, the low publicity and like mm. you know getting less uh, media attention and stuff like that. But yeah, in the rare cases, or maybe even the regular cases that we're having drama, then it's kind of a benefit in that in that case, right? I think it was number
4: one on cryptocurrency subreddit. I think for one day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Somebody did post about, but even then, a lot of the angle from outside the Bitcoin Cash community, yeah, yeah, yeah. But (laughs) a lot of the angle is is usually about is usually about Roger Veer. Like he's the he's the big guy that is known that all the BTC maxis love to pile onto, and that people in other crypto communities have heard of, and all that. It was kind of more about that than about the coin about him supposedly defaulting or maybe being broke or what which I think is that's not really the case at all. I'm sure he still has stacks of money and this 47 million he could just pay back. Well that was another reason why he would potentially get part of the blame because people would be like, look, can't look, can't you just pay back the money and just square it up with them and then you know deal deal things like why do you need to drag everyone into this when it's we kind of believe that you could just afford it. Um so You know, I I I don't know. Uh, Okay, so I want to. I guess everybody's had a chance to vote on the poll. So (laughs) here you go. Here's the here's the poll in the Twitch chat live right now. Who bears the majority of the responsibility for this mess? Uh, Jet has given three options, which are uh, uh, Roger Ver, um, Coinflex, and both equally. So we're looking for the majority of the Hmm. responsibility. And I don't know if I refresh this is a mine option. says
4: four for Coinflex zero for the
0: rest yeah so apparently the the viewers uh have voted uh overwhelmingly against Coinflex nobody's blaming Roger and nobody thinks it's an an even split uh, yeah, two Dick Pete votes, has though, but yeah I'm it's a small, small sample size <laughs> very small, small sample, sample size, size yeah. But two Dick Pete says, without this much info, can we really make a judgment on this? That's another good point. There was no abstain option, or I don't know, you know. So that could be another area. So of of the people willing to pick a side, all of them voted against Coinflex. Say, that's certainly interesting.
4: At least for me, I think Coinflex is at fault. But I would say both the reputations were screwed. Like that's how I kind of see it all.
0: Certainly collateral damage onto onto both of them. So basically, then we had the 30th of June uh, did also ca- come and go. So CoinFlex put out a blog post uh, with the update. Of course, this was when they'd said, like you heard on that Bloomberg announcement, oh, probably the 30th, we've got high confidence that we're going to get this over the line, we're going to reopen, etc., uh, etc." Et so they put out this update on the 30th, quote, Dear CoinFlex community, we continue to talk with investors interested in RVUSD and commitments are growing. Once the token sale is fully committed, we will be able to communicate a clear path towards enabling withdrawals, but until then, they will remain suspended. You will hear from us as updates become available. The goal is to do everything possible to avoid haircuts to customer funds, and we remain confident in our ability to bring this to resolution. Rest assured, we are working around the clock. Thank you for your patience and support, Mark Lamb, CEO, end quote. So again, I think this, well, firstly, it was just disappointing that despite saying, okay, we've got so many people that are keen to contribute and there's been a lot of talk about, oh, wow, we've got people with billions of dollars that are potentially interested in buying this debt or whatever. Uh, Obviously, they didn't get a deal done, uh, even though it was highly probable apparently a few days ago, but. It didn't happen. Uh, and then I think again, just this thing about the goal is to do everything possible to avoid haircuts. It just seems to me like Mark Lamb and maybe the CoinFlex statement just sort of irrationally terrified of haircuts when, like I explained before, I think people would rather have 66% of their money back now and maybe the rest later rather than none of it now and maybe none of it later. That doesn't. You know that doesn't. That seems to me like it should be more of a, more of a selling point. And because Roger made these tweets about, okay, I'm not in default or I don't want to pay back to the counterparty, that also sort of, on the surface, seemed to tank any interest in the RVUSD token, right? Because who's going to buy the token of the debt? when the person who's in the debt is like, I'm not going to pay it. Like, screw screw you guys, right? If if Roger was sort of more amenable or negotiating or willing, to, then it would be more convincing to somebody to come in kind of and buy that. But Mark's comments afterwards has been that actually after that tweet, they got more interest. I don't know how the hell that is possible, but maybe it, maybe it was like a Streisand effect thing where it, it made more, um, noise about it or it's also possibly the case that the investors could be willing to buy out the tokens uh, regardless of what roger does or if he wants to pay it back or not because they might just think similar to the equity deal that we were talking about before they might just say look Coinflex actually has a solid business and we can see up to this point so if we just basically bail them out we can see that over the next year or two or whatever they'll make enough like trading fees and everything uh and it'll be fine it'll work out for us anyway but it certainly seems like that. I, I i'm not fully sure though how that conflict could then add to the interest in the token that doesn't really make sense and they haven't uh they they, yeah. they haven't with re- reopened withdrawals anyway so I always wonder if it's like how,
4: what terms are and stuff. Like, is this good debt, bad debt? It seems like it's bad debt because Roger's like, I'm not going to pay it. So I wonder like how these calls went with investors. Like I'm sure there's, you know, pretty savvy investors and they were able to ask the right questions. And then Mark has to basically give information that basically is going to tell them whether this is a good deal or not and how much risk there is buying this debt. And so far I'm, the longer it takes, the more likely it's really bad debt because if this was good debt, it was an easy deal and it was like oh yeah I'll, you know i'm gonna i'll buy this debt because you know i know the person's gonna pay back and it's you know low risk and high reward or whatever but these investors are ignoring and even after mark Lamb went on bloomberg and i think he went on cnbc as well to get kind of attention from investors and in big institutions and if he is supposedly on all these calls and nothing's actually being committed or you know fully committed to where the deal goes through it looks worse and worse as the time goes on
0: yeah i agree with that i think that's a pretty essential point is that yeah initially i was quite optimistic and then after the bloomberg thing i was quite pessimistic and then as time goes on it sort of becomes more and more things get dragged out more lawyers get involved it turns into more and more of just a toxic mess that nobody wants to touch uh and the chance of anybody getting back any of their money or any you know thing like that just becomes increasingly uh kind of remote so um i you know it's hard to say really <laughs> okay we've got an update on this poll the poll has ended with coinflex have got eight votes as bearing oh, nice. the majority of the responsibility, Rogers zero and both equally zero, so Queen Flex is certainly just getting absolutely yeah destroyed in this uh scenario by the viewers of this show anyway so uh that's kind of where we're at now. That was the last we heard from Mark Lamb basically as to what's going on, and of course as 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 time moves on and the smart b c h uh, ecosystem have still been like locked up and stuff qui wang who's the dev- main developer for smart bch he was trying to sort of negotiate with mark or try and get the coins out of there or whatever and mark saying look i can't uh can't give you back the coins because otherwise i'm legally at risk so instead he has started his own bailout plan on the next slide here um where he posted yesterday on read.cash, the bailout plan for smart bch's centralized bridge run by coinflex so again we're looking for about 101382 point three 382.3 bch and his plan is to basically put together a new team or of people that are outside of coinflex not related to them and presumably, in uh, some sort of like he keep, he talks about it like a contract, but it seems like it's more likely going to be essentially a multi sig. So, I don't know how many people you would have involved in that. I sort of off the top of my head sort of think, okay, maybe you would have like a 10 of 15 multi sig or or something like that. Uh, I know in electron cash, uh, it goes up to 20 of 20 is the max you can have, but you would obviously want to have some redundancies. Um, So yeah, maybe it would be like 15 of 20 or 13 of 20 or 10 of 15 or whatever uh, type of multi-sig, which would be the new bridge. And to then in this so-called BODAO, bailout uh, distributed autonomous organization, you would essentially, it's like doing a community flip starter. Everybody would buy into this uh, this new BODAO and try and get the 101,000 BCH. And if it did, then you can basically cut, you sort of cut CoinFlex out of the loop and you can restart the, well, the Smart BCH ecosystem has been running this whole time. And you also have, obviously, then you would have the main chain funds again. So you could back the Smart BCH with the bodow coins and just reopen that. And the, the, economy and the ecosystem can just keep going while the coinflex stuff gets uh resolved and hashed out the idea being that eventually once coinflex does sort everything out and they give back the the money then you pay out the people who paid into the bodow so like if you have so right now you could be in the position where you could put one coin one bch into the bodow and then either Time goes on and Coinflex gives back the original funds, in which case you get your one BCH back, or uh, Coinflex like does a haircut or whatever. Maybe you get back half a BCH, or Coinflex just goes completely bust and just scams all the fun, In which case, you get back nothing. So, and as far as I can see, the only um, incentive to do this, to be a part of this, is essentially community goodwill and essentially it's it's just basically a community bailout it's just like look if we chip in enough cash as a community, you know we can just get past this drama and just keep moving forward for everybody's sake as soon as possible uh I mean obviously mark lamb has posted and said, look he's in favor of this because uh you know his hands are tied according to him with the legal situation with the current coins so if the community can just figure out a better way and just crack on with things that would be better i mean it does seem like that you know that would be an amazing thing if it did actually happen i don't know whether or not a hundred thousand bch being just donated is really realistic
4: what's kind of interesting is it's
0: essentially the same exact plan that coinflex is
4: doing where coinflex is trying to continue their business operations to sell the bad debt to an investor as fast as possible so they can run their business this is the same thing except uh instead of uh roger it's coinflex so uh smart bch is essentially trying to raise funds say we'll pay you back once coinflex pays us back just like how coinflex is uh, saying well we'll pay you back once roger pays us back so it's the same idea of is raising funds selling the bad debt essentially uh
0: to continue, smart BCH the bridge essentially. Yeah, I mean, in this case, it's certainly it's a bit of a different dynamic, though. I mean, the the fact is, the hundred thousand BCH is about like ten million dollars, right? At $100 yeah, a hundred dollars a BCH, so it's a lot smaller. And then, obviously, you also have it being done by the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in you know, it's whether that's better or worse than having one rich guy buy up 47 million, is it more likely that you could have the Bitcoin cash community collectively come up with 10 million? Um, Well, you know, it it just feels like because the Bitcoin cash price is low at the moment as well too. On one hand, that makes the target value lower for the 100,000 Bitcoin cash, but it also means that on average, people have less free money to just throw around into something like this uh so unless they've been in unless they were in stable coins this whole bear market and they're sitting yeah, on a big in, pile ready to go they, to bear or if they were in fucking Terra, if they were in uh not, USD, yeah, then they are just finished, right so i don't i don't know what, what what do you think about it would you contribute to this uh bow bailout do you think
4: i mean this is like saying what i can buy RVUSD, right it's all dependent on the same thing right rv usd will make CoinFlex work again. CoinFlex working again would make Smart BCH working again. So everything relies on this whole debt issue with Roger or R V or whoever the, you know, if that's whoever the high end net worth individual actually truly is. Um so if I'm not gonna buy R V USD, I wouldn't want to buy the Bao Dow or Bo Dow or whatever. Jet? Right. Because you... I'm at the same risk, same risk level.
0: Uh-huh. Jet would you chip into Bo dow For the community no no (laughs) no (laughs) okay and i
1: think i I think it's a mistake to be like for the community because it's not like the community didn't fuck this up it's you know it's a it's a situation that should be between two people and their mismanagement has made it bleed out i'm not a part of this like you guys fight it out i'll stay on maiden chain like (laughs) No, no, this is not for me at all. I don't want any part of anything to do with Coinflex after this, and and I will wait for a decentralized bridge at this point.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of wise. I mean, I'm, I do feel like mm, there's a part of me that could sort of, sort of think, okay, maybe I'll chip in like a little bit, just because, because I think it would be such an amazing story and such an amazing vindication of the community if it was like we came into this big unexpected problem and then the sort of this is the way crypto works you know problems are exposed by the harsh reality of the world and then better solutions arise over the kind of ashes of the previous problem you know so if if we did have this problem and everybody said ha oh, bitcoin cash fucks up again and then they we just sort of flip started our way out of it then it would be like wow that would be a real you know special thing by the community so and i do also think it would be good for the bitcoin cash ecosystem as a whole the sooner we can get smart bch back up and running and and keep going where i'm hesitant is the fact that my money is basically just I'm basically just voluntarily taking the risk from somebody else who already took their own risk with their coins in smart BCH. Right. So I I can't really see a good reason that it should transfer from them to me. Um, I don't know. I I just just had a, I I just had a thought right now. Um, Really the only thing we're trying to fix
4: is the peg, right? The one main BCH, one BCH on the main chain versus one BCH on smart BCH. It's yes. supposed to be equal value, right? Well, I can exchange one for one, but everything else is working. Like yes, everyone's able right. to get, you know, on, you're, they're using a different mechanism to bridge, right? Through uh miss swap and block NG. The only thing that's changed really is the peg, right? The peg has been lost and yes. really everything's working though. Like, I mean, smart BCH is still a side chain that's mining blocks and all the smart contracts are still working and operating fine. It's really just the peg that's off. And the question is, is, could we just continue and just who cares if the peg is a little off, if it's one, <laughs> one, one to two or whatever the ratio might end up being? I mean, it'd be interesting, like just to see how it plays out the way it is without a peg. I don't know.
0: Well, that's maybe,
4: maybe I'm being really dumb, but I just thought, thought it thought came to my mind.
0: Well, that's an interesting, you know, point, really, is that. Yeah, then that that is essentially what I've been ta- that is essentially transferring the haircut onto the smart BCH uh, users, kind of semi against their will, but also maybe it's it's better than nothing. And yeah, like you say, the somehow in the midst of all this chaos, the block NG and Miss swap teams who've been killing it on smart BCH just came out with okay, don't worry, well. <gasps> Not don't worry, but we've built you we've built another bridge. Here we go. And I'm still not really entirely clear how the hell they've done it, but they have made this other bridge, which apparently they had in the works beforehand, and then just they sped it up because we ended up in this situation. But there's sort of a way that you can use uh tethers <laughs> like aren't we just adding <laughs> you know we're just fixing one problem, hey, creating another you know what
4: tether's but... been working though i mean this whole time <laughs> for the most part i mean can you really badmouth it if it's been the one that's been the longest stable coin in its existence not to say it can't blow up but that's one the, day, that's but well that's exactly
0: what happened with Coinflex, right is oh they've been fine up until yeah. now, you know it's fine know. until it isn't. <laughs> but basically there's a way that people are now able to trade in for by transferring uh tethers from binance smart chain onto smart bch tethers so basically since you can do that you can then buy bitcoin cash on the uh bch you know side or you can get the tethers and go onto binance smart chain and then from there you can swap that back to bch on the main chain so by this kind of roundabout way you can get your money in or out so then that's made a a market for the risk of those smart bch's which uh went down to it was trading at the most at about a uh 60 discount at, at the most uh, moment of most fear and now i think it's 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 like a 10 percent discount or something like that so we're seeing in real time as the because people can uh, arbitrage that if they think that smart bch is going to be fine or the coin flex coins are going to be unlocked then they can uh, buy into it and get cheap BCH, which will uh, be appreciated in value later. Or if they're on smart BCH and they're like, look, I'd rather have 85% of a Bitcoin cash than one potentially nothing smart Bitcoin cash they can get out. So that's kind of a you know, a bit of an indicator there that maybe at the moment there's about 80, you know, 15% discount in the market. Maybe there's about 85% confidence that smart bitcoin cash is going to get its coins back from Coinflex, and or this bodow is somehow going to get funded and and therefore re-peg everyone yeah back i mean one. i think it's i think it's
4: very important to get the peg back but what's nice is at least in the meantime everything's working it's just that you know your your peg is broken for a while but in terms of like if you want to deploy smart contracts on smart bch you have no problem if you want to like even uh use tether right you don't need a pair with bch pair with the uh i think it's like binance tether backed or something pair with that i mean you can uh just use that
0: instead of bch or smart bch i should say well it's Uh, funny about you saying that it was working because it wasn't it it did have some downtime today it seems like it was unrelated it at first it seemed like it was an attack i've got on the uh next slide here is uh there was these kind of validators mark lamb and short coin flex validators and stuff was popping off popping up and it seemed like somebody was trying to attack the the sort of the validators with these fake validators but uh and the chain did go offline for about an hour and then it came on and then it came off for an hour and then it came back so i think it's all fine at the moment um but basically these uh validators were were, were going offline and it, Kui Wang then said later that it turned out he initially thought it was an attack, but it turned out it was somebody in the community who just didn't, you know, screwed up their settings and they didn't know how to properly set up the validators, even though they were trying to actually support the network. So it seemed like it was all good in the end, but it just kind of sh- really showed that the whole point of having proof of work backing the main chain is quite critical. Anybody who, you know, it's just the regular... FUD or concern trolling or whatever that BCH gets where somebody comes are we going to switch to proof of stake? No, we're not going to do that. Uh, Because under crisis conditions, proof of work is actually very resilient and proof of stake is great, you know, for what it's great for until things go a little bit wrong. And then very quickly it sort of starts to break and have problems. And this was just an example of that, I think. So that was kind of, you know, that, that was kind of that aspect uh, to it, but for, you're right, for the most part, the bitcoin cash chain has just been working and and flawless and stuff so yeah i don't i i don't know I don't know right, so where are we at now? I mean obviously the community is still uh really angry we've got um Mark has still been posting in the telegram and bit i mean that's another positive aspect of this you know it seems to me like Mark hasn't just completely rugged and just gone gone silent and flown off to belize or whatever uh he's 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 still in contact with everyone and at least for, for on my part i do honestly believe that he's trying to work for a solution he seems a bit irrationally terrified of a haircut but i do think he is trying to get everyone's money back and uh trying to make it cut a deal with some investors and whether it's equity or rv usd or whatever And get to the bottom of it obviously we do need to hear more of roger's side of the story tomorrow so i'm looking forward to that that might shed some additional um light on it but it is also true that all of mark's sort of previous things okay you know it's just uh, a backlog with the withdrawals oh wait we've shut down the whole exchange we'll give you an announcement on the we'll get the withdrawals going by the 30th okay that hasn't happened doug poke obviously didn't really get um you know much insider info so they just kind of rugged him and then he's now quit as the ambassador so i mean there's still there's still definitely some uh negative marks against against mark on that on that front as well too um so that's that's kind of where where we're at now i I don't know what's your concluding thoughts on this this whole this whole saga how how do you feel we're placed moving forward are you optimistic that we're going to kind of it out or do you think i'm whole, not optimistic
4: um i'm not optimistic on Coinflux being able to sell the bad debt so i don't know what that means if if what their other options are after that if that does if they're not able to sell the, this bad debt um in terms of roger just paying the debt maybe out of his own you know goodwill or whatever to recover his reputation that could happen that might be it might, might be more likely than than trying to sell the bad debt to some random investor big investor um, in terms of smart BCH, I would say I'm a bit more optimistic on that just because it's still working, like everything's working. The peg is lost, which is bad. Hopefully, maybe there's some sort of creative solution that whether it's the Bowdow or something else that is able to restore that peg. Um, uh, and but, um, I feel like you know, one of the things that made BCH special wasn't so much the smart contracts, that was just kind of like an extra benefit it's still the you know the main chain's still working and you know and people are able to still you know use the main chain and transact as you know currency so that's that's great that's the the, the big part of what bitcoin cash is is still working and has no problems this is kind of like a niche which still impacts the community a lot so hopefully you know hopefully there's some decent resolution i'm, I'm hopeful but still pretty pessimistic on the whole thing yeah, I, think I don't know about that's... these conspiracies though. Like the speculation, we're just going to speculate. <laughs> all we can do is speculate on what the deal was. Or- but by the end of the day, it's like what's going to actually happen. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it bears repeating that throughout this whole thing, the main chain had has had zero problems, right? That there has not been, when other coins have drama, it's usually because it's broken, <laughs> it's usually yeah. because the chain is down the fees are so high that no one can transfer everywhere they're having backlogs so the most common problem you see in crypto is um a hack and following a hack you have uh, a technical issue a technical bug basically or an attack of some kind and then after that you have a governance crisis so those are the, those are the three biggest and this drama that we're having is none of those the tech all still works um nobody got hacked uh in a sort of technical attack okay maybe there's been some financial shenanigans but technically there was no like a uh, breach or, or money lost in that um regard and uh the community's governance is still fine like the nobody's shout out to zone crypto hey hey mate uh you know, so it's, it all seems fine in that regard. So that's that's kind of a silver lining, I think, to me yeah. that people can take some heart in, is that everything's still working perfectly fine. And I do, I'm an optimistic person, so I just somehow feel like I I do have the best of hopes that one way or another, the Coinflex can find some buyers, or Roger can front up the cash, or the community or, uh... can produce up this bowdow. Somehow, maybe Jihan just says, Look, I've got 100k BCH lying around. I'm just going to back this whole thing uh, and I'll I'll sort it out behind the scenes, you know, just so we can move forward. I, I don't know. I just feel one, yeah. optimistic. I would say one likely scenario might be that CoinFlex eventually, uh, if they're not able to
4: sell a bad debt and they have no other ideas, they'll do the haircut, like you said, whether it's like 30% or 40%. And Smart BCH, will be fine because that probably the problem is it's probably the user balances on CoinFlex are going to be messed up. So if you had BCH on CoinFlex's exchange, it's going to get haircut. But once they do that, they'll be able to just run deposits and withdrawals like normal, and the peg will be back because all the BCH is still there, the hundred thousand. Uh that's kind of like a scenario that I think is might be quite likely to play out is just something like that where if you had Bitcoin Cash on the exchange is screwed. But if you had your Bitcoin Cash on Smart BCH, you'll be fine.
0: And we've had a question from Bitcoin, Jason. How does this affect NFTs? And JDiz has said, NFTs can move to a different chain easily. None of the communities want to do that currently. They want to stay. But if their hand is forced, I reckon they will. And that's another element where sort of the clock is ticking that uh, at least Smart Bitcoin Cash is still still working at the most, like It's completely offline. But the longer this kind of drags out or the longer there's problems with the bridge and stuff, the more likely people go off to some other chain and we lose those parts of our ecosystem and the valuable network effect and everything, which we really, really don't want to happen. So time is somewhat of the essence in, in that regard as well. I have a, as well too, I would say.
1: I have like a, a thought that might be really stupid, but I just hear me out or maybe bounce this idea off you guys. So, so we've lost the peg and that's the issue, but what if that's the fair market value of smart BCH until we have a decentralized bridge? That's what I was
4: thinking. I mean, that's kind of what I was saying earlier with the, yeah, uh, it's interesting to see what the market value is now yeah. without the peg. Um, and it still operates. Like everyone could just use not BCH on smart BCH. You could just start using, well, I guess Tether is <laughs> seems to be the most likely one right now on smart BCH that's stable. Um, as your currency or as you're exchanging NFTs for money rather than using BCH. But yeah, it's interesting this, you know
1: opportunity. That's kind of arbitrarized arbitrarized right either way.
0: Yeah. Well that's it. hey Hayden Otto made a really good video. So if anybody wants to get involved in arbitraging or bridging back and forward, go have a look at Hayden Otto's channel I and mean, he made a right it, now uh, I guess a, the uh breakdown of it all. The value of it right right is it what 10% off? So yeah I think it's about 10 to 15% off which yeah, is which sh- shows that there's actually quite a good amount of confidence right it's not yeah. a 50% discount or a, it, you know if people thought it was lunar and it was all over maybe it would be a 90% discount or something but it seems like there's still actually a good appetite in the market or a good uh, amount of faith that that things are all going are all going to work out so I guess that's uh, like a bit of a prediction market that we've got going on there uh, and it shows that there is there is, uh, I'm not going to touch it. I'm, I'm not going to be touching it either. But I mean, I'll still uh, touch Smart
4: BCH, the chain, but I'm not going to arbitrage yeah. with main
0: BCH. Yeah, me neither. All right. So that's kind of the, the coin flex situation. Hopefully everyone's up to date now. In the meantime, and as promised last week, following up on sideshift.ai and their swaps among all different coins especially in light of this uh smart bch uh, and coinflex drama so i've got a quote here from their research this week which was from the 21st to the 27th of june their report quote this week brought an incredible frenzy of btc deposits just shy of 7 million which smashed our record for a single coin's weekly deposit volume BTC alone accounted for 70% of deposit volume and second place wasn't even close. XMR with 543,000. This high concentration of BTC deposits was almost entirely shifted to BCH with the BTC to BCH pair representing 5.84 million of weekly volume. This figure also was record breaking and was the highest weekly volume that's been achieved by a single pair. BTC to BCH has now been the most popular pair for nine straight weeks and this week alone represented 58.72% of volume, a figure that is more than 12 times higher than the second most popular pair, BTC to ETH with $463,825. This directionally was very much one way, with discrepancies in BDC and BCH deposit to settle volume being very noticeable. The respective differences for deposits versus settlements were six point nine eight million versus nine hundred and eighteen and nine hundred seventeen thousand for BDC and one hundred seventy nine thousand uh, dollars versus six point one four million for BCH. End quote. So, BCH is still just crushing it on side shift. I guess. With the ratio being as low as it is, I guess it just doesn't make sense to sell out your BCH to BDC. And it's also just such a good deal for BDC people to get in. I mean, the ratio is at all time lows, but it's going to find a bottom soon enough if this keeps up at this uh, rate with us being the crushing the records week after week on, on side shift with everybody just getting out of BDC and into into bch what what do you what do you make of this do you think we are maybe getting to a point where the crypto markets have moved on from bdc enough that a few people are, are thinking oh maybe i should uh, make sure i've got some bch in case of a, a flipping yeah i mean it's interesting that it hasn't really
4: impacted the market so i don't know how big side shift ai is like in terms of just volume or or, or who is using it but it is, you know, it's definitely good news. I mean that uh that the BCH is being used a lot, um, as a way to uh, trade, to exchange, and it's the directionality is actually a bit good too. Like if people were trading, they're just going one way, right? It's kind of like people that discover Bitcoin and they find Bitcoin Cash, they don't go back. So exactly. in a way, maybe that's the same thing that's happening. Perhaps
0: that's right, and it's just a small, uh, small little flow through uh through that little yeah. gap and then eventually it just it's like a, a crack of water in the dam it's just starting to or it's like some the... maybe
4: it's just some whale that's just slowly selling <laughs> a million btc over a very long period of time that's
0: that the, it's just one person yeah one whale be. i don't Josh... know because because
4: why are they using Sideship? why do they use an
0: exchange i don't know well because you cause... don't have to sign up and okay you can do it anonymously and you don't yeah I don't, I don't know
4: so one big giant btc whale might be wanting to anonymously uh switch over to bch maybe i don't know.
0: uh be interesting josh, josh ellithorpe in the chat says side shift is used by the mist bridge yeah it's used by the bitcoin.com oh. bri- uh wallet by the mist bridge uh and it's also actually that the mist bridge that makes a lot of sense that would then definitely boost our uh our traffic significantly but it's interesting that there's still people coming in from bdc but i guess that that's another thing if the bch yeah. community does a lot of integrations with this kind of service and that drags a lot of traffic in then the people running that will be like wow bch community is kicking off and that will also flood around into the rest of the eco. i mean that shows that it's still low fees it's it's in demand it shows that it's easy to uh link ups with services, and there's good demand uh to move in and out of the ecosystem, so yeah, just lots of uh yeah, it could be um a
4: lot about. of maybe a lot of Bitcoin users that are just kind of discovering um smart bch and they're like, oh, wait, this is like Bitcoin, but it's got its own you know even ethereum <laughs> side chain. this is really cool, and then they try it out, and now they're like oh, I'll put a little bit more in I'll put a little <laughs> bit more, in. and then they just keep going I don't who knows i it it'd be interesting why people are doing this.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, I guess we'll just keep an eye on this, and we'll, we'll yeah. see if it keeps going. Hopefully, but numbers. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's good news. Uh, you would love to see it, basically. All right, next next one uh, also we've got is the Saint Martin hearings. So this week we've had the uh, Rolando Bryson in uh, Saint Martin uh, has been involved in these kind of parliamentary uh, debates that they were having about cryptocurrencies which has been spurred it seems in large part by the fact that the bitcoin cash adoption is rising on the island and so it's really got in everyone's attention basically and it wasn't even him that kind of suggested this uh parliamentary meeting it was actually one of the other ministers who sort of set it up or, or you know proposed it basically and then wanted to get some answers from the finance ministry who was not uh rolando bryson he's in a separate uh, section as far as i understand and so what what has happened is they made this to to investigate and dig into what's happening so the kind of from my impression of this uh video it's basically uh, the minister for finance and uh uh, mp bryson were both very basically pro-crypto And then they had these two other sort of parliamentarians who were kind of a bit anti-crypto. And the ones who are anti-crypto were kind of coming up with the same FUD as happens every single time about it's anonymous. What are we going to do about taxation? If the volatility is bad, then people can lose money. Oh, look, they lost money last week, blah, 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 blah. And there was also a really interesting criticisms from them that marketing has been done in a gimmicky way, they said. And they said, look, it's not like the government's done a coordinated rollout or anything like that. They were just seeing that Bitcoin Cash was just popping up everywhere and that merchants were getting onboarded and people were being shown how to use it and everything. And it, it's basically that they were upset that that this kind of grassroots movement was going on and it not being a government program. So they were kind of trying to say, look, people need to know, be educated on this, and we need to have um, you know, people could just be getting told any disinformation or whatever without really digging into the fact that no, maybe people actually were getting the accurate information and that's why it was it was growing really fast. And that this whole thing had happened just as a grassroots organization because they sort of understood enough to know that they couldn't exactly blame like it's not Bitcoin cash. It's not advertising itself. That's not how it works. It doesn't have any marketing departments. So they couldn't really point the fingers there, but then they also couldn't really uh, point out to any individuals and say, these ones are to blame because it's kind of happening in a Obviously we know that, okay, maybe Sonny has been a big part of it. Maybe Mark Fowl's different people, but there's certainly a peer-to-peer element where somebody gets taught about it, somebody else gets taught about it, and then they talk amongst each other. and It is just happening peer-to-peer right so um rolando bryson then then did a fantastic job when he gave some uh comments so he he basically uh started quoting the barbados uh prime minister uh which was who was also saying good things about crypto which was hitting back on the other uh the other criticisms that that the neighboring islands you know we're doing things in a more government way and not seeing this kind of grassroots adoption first and then he was saying yeah but the other countries in the region do do also recognize that this is this is valuable he he pointed out El Salvador and he said look they're doing a terrible job because they're doing it with custodians and not educating people properly but then the Central African Republic maybe they are doing some of education and everything and a lot of it is about crypto generally but it's also about Bitcoin Cash specifically. Uh, and it was constantly brought up Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Cash, because that's what they're seeing on their island. And that's that's becoming the the conversation over there. So I don't know. Did you see this uh, talk or did, did you have any impression of any of this?
4: Yeah, I, I watched part of it. Um, it's very exciting to see what's going on in the Caribbean. I feel like that's something that we haven't seen before with adoption. Especially with any any cryptocurrency, for that matter, that a whole, a whole island, even if it's a small island, that um, there is just more and more people using it, and it's almost becoming a circular economy. Hopefully, where you don't have people selling immediately. They're oh wait, I don't have to sell. I could just go to this. I could spend this down the street. I don't need to sell it for a different currency, like like we do, like we see elsewhere. And it's because everyone's there is using it, or maybe not everybody, but a lot enough to where you don't always have to sell it. And so it's interesting. I guess we don't, I, I'm curious what the numbers are, like the growth, right? Is it, cause I don't live there. We only kind of see it through, you know, maybe people covering it like Mark Felzone or whoever else is, you know, being a journalist out there. Uh, so I'd be curious to see like how many people are actually, like, is it one in two, one in five that are actually using Bitcoin Cash regularly? Um, and then in terms of the contrast, what we saw with El Salvador and the top-down government model of trying to, uh, you know, create adoption that way and how it seems like from my perspective, from what I've read is just that it didn't work out. Like there's very few merchants actually accepting it. Um It was difficult. It was, you know, centralized, but most importantly, people just stopped using it. Uh, in El Salvador, but in in St. Martin, it seems like it's prospering, and as well as um, other places in the Caribbean. I think St. Kitts as well. Um, And then Bryson, I mean, uh, is this the the first politician, right, to have accepted cryptocurrency as their um, salary, and particularly Bitcoin cash, I think? So that's kind of very newsworthy. And we don't really hear about any of this. (laughs) Other than
1: if you're in the... So it's not that he's the first to accept it uh for at least part of his salary but like uh, through his entire salary i think that's the first okay because i i believe uh um someone from a new york governor or something like that accepted part of their salary for btc or sorry they used to accept part of their salary for btc (laughs) they do not anymore
0: yeah okay I mean the the BTC salary acceptors have basically been getting wrecked because uh, El Salvador they uh, were ex- obviously bought in all this uh, BTC and then they got wrecked. There was a couple of NFL players and whatever that accepted you know massive signing bonuses and stuff in BTC. Basically, at the top of the bubble <laughs> when uh, when these kind of things happen, and it's a bit s- self fulfilling prophecy that all the nitwits uh, jump in in the boat uh, at the last second and that provides the final bit of euphoria before everyone realizes wait this has gone a bit far and it crashes off so they've now wrecked themselves and i'm sure they're not you know asking for another paycheck in bitcoin and dollar cost averaging and whatever they're probably just like oh shit hope this goes back up maybe just going to (laughs) quietly not mention that uh and if it goes back up well maybe i'm a genius in five years but just you know, definitely get my next signing bonus in USD or something. Uh, there sort of seems to have been a bit of that, but the, the point about getting the salary in Bitcoin cash for MP Bryce, it is that if there is adoption in local measures, he can literally just go out and spend it. Then that that's the whole point. It is money, uh, and then he's contributing back into the economy. He's obviously uh, practicing what he what he preaches. He's giving more uh, reasons to to the local economy to get excited and get adopted. about, it. And he's taking action. That was the, that was really the key point is that he was saying, look, we've got the banking industry and we've had all these problems with them. And we have a lot of unbanked people and the banks are not helping it. So we've got to help ourselves. And this is a tool for it. And, and so, yeah, it's just fantastic to see. he has been doing absolutely amazing advocacy and yeah, I hope it just keeps uh, going like wildfire. And if it does, then uh, we'll certainly see, um, more of it in neighboring islands. And I think for everybody who, you know, always asks about, well, what is the government going to do about crypto, blah, blah, blah. This is a classic example. The adoption is just happening and the government kind of has to respond, but while they're having their, you know, meetings and faffing about for the next year, The adoption will just keep going. Like the government just responds to the fact that they're kind of losing control. And by the time they're responding, they're kind of too slow to catch up. The train's already leaving the station. And that's kind of the same thing that we've seen everywhere. You know, every time the regulation gets somewhat settled, well, crypto comes up with a new thing like algorithmic stable coins or whatever it is, you know, new mixing techniques or a a new way uh, to stay stay ahead of things. Right, so that's that one. And final uh, news item of today is cash tokens. So Jason Dreisner, uh, one of the amazing uh, BCH devs, has been putting out uh, some info on cash tokens, which is uh, basically this proposal that by changing and updating the scripting capability of Bitcoin Cash a little bit, you can essentially get all the power of, or a lot of the power uh, of, uh, an Ethereum smart contracting, you know, platform with decentralized exchanges and all the other different tokens and different things that you can do on a the UTXO Bitcoin Cash chain. So, uh, basically, the idea is that then you can have both fungible and non-fungible tokens and you can do all the things that finance does besides just sending and receiving money at the moment you can send and receive and you can do some multi-sig and one or two other things but when you add this then you can do stocks you can do bonds that pay um, interest you can do equities you can do shareholder votes uh, you can do all of that kind of stuff definitely is part of it and a lot of it in decentralized way so he uh showed a proof of concept of a joint execution decentralized exchange a jedex non-custodial censorship resistant token dex architecture for bitcoin cash so this was just his first example of what this proposal would would allow so the difference from slp tokens that we have now is that slp tokens are invisible to contracts. So you can't have uh, them interacting with each other or, you know, a lot of the more advanced stuff you can't do. Uh, You can also have people accidentally spend them out of their wallets and all those kind of things can happen with SLP uh, tokens, but these uh, cash tokens would actually be integrated into the protocol. So it's a bigger change to get them in, but they're more powerful. So the work for this has been going on for a while. And it was maybe going to go into the 2022 upgrade, but everything wasn't ready. There was still discussions being hashed out with the spec and so on. So it's being pushed back to the 2023 one. And, and these things are are now kind of starting to, to take form. So like I was saying, when we covered the hard fork upgrade, um, it's kind of the case that the community has to work way ahead of schedule. So by the time those upgrades were already getting into the 2022 one and they were already locked in, well, work had already started on the next one. So you can see we're still nine months out from the, or even longer from the next May upgrade, but these things are already kind of starting to boil and come together. And then they'll get locked in in about November if they're ready. And then uh, people will have time to actually code it up and implement it. And then it'll go in the chain next year. But then the upgrades for the year after that for 2024 will already be in the pipeline at that time. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you follow any of this or, or are you excited about cash tokens? Yeah, I have I've followed a little bit about
4: how adding tokens onto the, the mainnet. Um, and then I think they keep changing kind of like their approach to the protocol, how they're going to implement it and everything. Um, it's exciting to see like what, you know, the UTXO model can do in terms of like smart contracts and tokens. Um, So it's definitely worth exploring. But I wonder how it's going to compare to like um, smart BCH or just any Ethereum um, virtual machine. Because with with an Ethereum-based model, you have the infrastructure already there. MetaMask, all the developer tools are already there. That's why it's so easy for someone just to make another Ethereum virtual machine and then everyone can just Users can easily adopt it, right? Because they've already used MetaMask; they're already familiar with the develop, you know, all the Ethereum-related tools. Um, with this, I wonder how it's going to catch on if it does get released, and how it'll compare in terms of like popularity and just developers um, actually using it. Uh, that, so that'd be my my skeptical concern of it, but it's definitely cool technology-wise to you know add more um, upgrades to the mainnet protocol.
0: people to do this i mean the lack of interoperability with all the existing infrastructure and tools and stuff is yeah is a big downside and that's part of the reason why it's so exciting that we have smart bitcoin cash as well so bch just crushing it uh in this regard can have access to everything uh so that's that's amazing and maybe they can even be built to interoperate with each other as well too which makes it even more uh insane no other chain could be even close to that uh, but I think the benefit, the 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 downside being you don't have access to all that uh, inbuilt to- tooling and stuff like that. But the upside is basically that you could have m- way more scalability and lower fees um, because mm-hmm. the UTXO stuff does not have to be, can be processed in parallel. So things that, uh, although they'll have to be done slightly differently, it's possible that you can crank out way more, demand for transactions and get way more revenue uh, and transactions flowing around on the on the main chain which then obviously has loads of good impact it helps out with privacy it uh, increases minor revenue which helps us to attract hash power obviously it gets attention from the rest of the cryptocurrency ecosystem Uh, and if we have these this kind of uh, combo of the interoperability with all the evm stuff that's already built plus uh, our own unique little uh, honeypot uh, going as well too unique uh, benefits then then that could be a, a killer combo and it's just great to see that even in the midst of all this coin flex drama the devs kind of have their head down and they're just cranking out the next the next greatest thing right so uh, BCH stops for no drama it seems which is which is really great to see. All right so, Second last slide, as always, this week I decided, look, let's just skip over community comment uh, and meme of the week. I don't know if pe- that's people's favorite segments or whatever, but I wanted to make sure we had extra time to do every step of the Coinflex drama, which we have. So I thought we'd just skip straight to the, the message to the community. What do people need to hear? Well, I think, well, at least
4: what I'm most excited for is or, or kind of hopeful for is to see these speculative bubbles to kind of like change in a way where we see more utility. Because right now it seems like every speculative bubble, whether it was the ICO boom, the one we just went through, or even the previous ones where it's just people wanting to get rich, like that's all it was. And it was all about branding, right? each Each cycle seemed to be about what was hyped up, whether it was a technology hyped up or a token, and people were getting rich and then it, it all just resets. I would love to see people using crypto daily, whether it it doesn't have to be everybody on the planet, but a few million people in a particular country or worldwide just using it daily, whatever it ends up being useful for. I think Bitcoin Cash is in a very good particular spot. I mean, we see that sort of happening in the Caribbean and elsewhere as uses payments. Um, So I would love to just see that kind of go on a exponential growth, like an S-curve adoption. I wanna see, the explosion of adoption of whether it's Bitcoin Cash or another cryptocurrency overall. So I would say that's like the most important thing. It's just adoption right now because we already have the tool. I mean, the products out there are pretty reasonable, right? You know, it's at least for currency wise, Bitcoin Cash is ready uh, as a product to be used as a as a daily currency. It's almost like you need to have the huge amount of adoption at this point and huge network effect. So I would love to just.
0: See that happen in the next you know few years uh, yeah, we've certainly seen enough it's it's sort of now we see it continue, not... I guess because we already yeah see, we're
4: we're seeing some of the small signs of it, I guess,
0: in the Caribbean and elsewhere. yeah, I think we're also just at a point where the whole world is pretty much now aware of crypto, and the whole world has pretty much also been through a cycle at least by you know proxy of okay, pump and dump. Right? It's not like the first time everyone hears about it, but they don't know what's going on. And then they have to go through, okay, it, all this pump and dump bullshit. And then they have to get to, okay, what's actually going on here? And I think we are starting to run out of people who are completely unaware that there's something going on or that still just think it's 100% scams. I mean, maybe a lot of people think yeah. there's a lot of scams and they're right. There is a lot of scams, but it's getting harder and harder to deny that there's something real going on here. Uh, I talked to somebody at my work the other day who said, look, I I don't really know much about this at all, but it seems like it's not going away and I've got to read up on it. And I think we're just having more and more people are going to start, start slowly trickling into that category basically. So yeah, that would be, that would be pretty, pretty huge. All right. That will do it uh, for the show then I think. Uh, So thanks everyone uh, for watching. As always, you can, Uh, donate on the on the slide thank you very much to the donators that really really appreciate it Uh, check out bitcoincashpodcast.com to get FAQs, start guides if you're new to the community and you want to know what all this is about or if you need to help somebody out with uh, getting that introduction to what's going on from a sort of conceptual point of view or you have any of those uh, questions that you think might not have been answered on the show there's a lot of them now that there on the faqs now like at least 20 or 30 um that of the the top most common ones people will ask so you can you can check that out thank you very much to ricky my patron thank you also to the twitch subs that we now had we've had a, a bunch of them uh today as well that's that's been absolutely awesome and uh we're gonna give shout out to the week. My shout out goes to r b t c who this uh week hit over one million subscribers, which is absolutely nuts because yeah. uh, our bitcoin has whatever it is four point five million so on on the on those metrics r b t c the most maligned and hated and censored and all this uh sub is is still still kicking still kicking been in five six years in there and it's still going going strong and eventually it's it's like one of the top you know 300 subs on reddit or something like that and it's going to just keep climbing up those ranking and just continuing to be unignorable it's not it's not perfect but it's doing a great job so yeah, my shout out to the mods there and all the all the subscribers there and everybody who, who contributes that and, and makes that great do you have any shout outs and where can people find you
4: um i don't have any particular shout outs nothing that's coming to my mind um in terms of finding me um i do have a twitter um i sometimes use uh just so you can find me on linkedin uh, and then of course telegram i'm always on there i'm the guy with
0: the spongebob uh avatar so
4: you'll see me uh, roaming around talking crap
0: i'll put some i'll put some links to that in the, in the description as well jet any shout outs
1: uh i guess for me it's just the uh twitch uh subscribers we i think we've had more viewers this stream than any other more consecutive viewers this stream than any other stream so things are going good and i certainly appreciate it
0: yeah it's amazing the amazing to see like so many uh, names and so many people i recognize coming into the to watch this show live and to chat as well it's it's really great it just really just shows the community is is building up and I'm, I'm thrilled to have this much interest and in, in support in the in the show actually it's been great and uh thank you all for listening until next time the greatest story the world has ever known the rise and rise of bitcoin 2022
1: a single chance for the world a single moment in time bankers captures all our cryptocurrency
5: flies gets to this side phoenix fly from the flame bitcoin bch forever changing the game